Mesa presents The Steve Dangle Podcast with your hosts, Steve Dangle and Adam Wilde. Well, it is great to be back. And let me tell you how I know we're back before we introduce our guest. Oh, I thought we were just filming an intro for a best of. No, no, no. No, we're actually back. This is this is That'd real. Be so funny if we did that to only us. No, no. Uh, and to no one else. So we are we're we're back. It's nice to it's nice to hear have everybody in the same room again. Before we introduce our guest, I just want to say we are back, and I know we're back because Steve was 15 to 20 minutes late again today. <laughs> yes. And this is a we are mid-season form already, Steve. Thank yeah, everybody. Absolutely. And also, I think bigger applause we need. Uh, for our actual guest, our guest of honor today, Carolyn Cameron. Hello. Carolyn Cameron. Oh, thank you. Not Caroline. Not no, Caroline. It's spe- Jane and Don spelt it wrong, so it's, right. yeah, it's Caroline. That rhymes, actually. Did you know that? Jane and Don yeah, spelt it Yeah, it does. It yeah, it's got a nice mm-hmm. ring to it. Thing. A little bit. <laughs> um, so you are fresh off the Rogers Cup. You mm-hmm. obviously do uh, all the anchoring on, on Sportsnet. Uh, we see you every morning. Um, and, and I mean, like, I don't even know where to start with you, because I, I looked you up on Wikipedia. Oh, and I'm what's not sure there? How what? your Wikipedia is, but you have a page, which is a big deal. Oh, yeah? That is a big deal. Here's how irrelevant I am. People have put up a Wikipedia for me multiple times, and it's been deleted because <laughs> no. I wasn't important enough. That doesn't sound right. <laughs> but her. Yes. <laughs> you got your well, it says. Oh, what does it say? It says you were born in 90. Yeah, that's correct. March 23rd? Yeah. Happy belated. Thank you. Uh, it's a lot belated, but yeah, thank you. <laughs> uh, you um, you went to Ryerson? Or not Ryerson, Western Fanshawe. I was going to say, Western Wikipedia Fanshaw. is wrong. Yes, Western Fanshawe. Uh, you worked at Rogers TV. You were a city news reporter. You were an off-the-record intern, Sportsnet 590 intern. Wow. Is that true? Yeah. All true? Yeah. Amazing. Yeah, we weren't fan interns at the same time. Must have I been guess. just No, after. I was... Uh, I was in the summers. 2008. And 2009, because I was here. And 2009 for sure, and then... I think I was hmm. to that summer of 2009 and summer of 2010. So we might have crossed You know paths. what? There was yeah. a little bit of overlap. Yeah. There was. I guess I just... You know what? I think I was with um, Junior Hockey Magazine. Oh, okay. So I was sort of an intern. I was one of those floaty interns. Right. I was in the bullpen just down the hallway. So I was at... Kiss at that point. Oh, okay. So we yeah. might have crossed paths at maybe. some point, but yeah. I left in I want to say July at that of that year. So maybe, maybe not. Like Jeff As Party was around, Rob Wong, Kayla Harris. Oh yes, I remember we had them a good all. Crew. I yeah, actually good crop. Yeah. I trained Jeff As Party. Really? On, uh, you taught him everything he knows to be the producer for Junior Hockey Mag. Wow. Yeah, he now, was he was the guy who did it after and me. Now he's doing primetime sports. Right now, I, I just want to throw this out there: the bullpen was this legendary room mm-hmm. that existed for anybody that's right unaware of what happened uh, What happened here at... at uh, no, when we I, were I can totally relate yeah. to this conversation. <laughs> yeah, <no>. sorry. <laughs> Basically, they throw all the interns in one room and you guys would be cutting highlights and that sort of thing all night long, mm-hmm. right? For, mm-hmm. for, the, for the station. And getting Bob McCowan's tea. And getting Bob McCowan's oh, yeah. tea. And uh, and then there was like old Sports Illustrated pictures posted all over the wall. And, and hockey people, cards. That hockey I, cards. That and I food, food on the floor, food on the tables. Yeah, highly... Yeah, unhygienic. Yeah, yeah. No. It had a funny. <laughs> but those smell. were the years. It, it, <laughs> it had a funny I loved smell. it. I don't oh, know. it was fun. I missed it when they tore all that down because they're kind of gutting this floor. Oh, mm-hmm. it made me sad. Oh. Me but, too. Well, it, it got a lot quieter here when when the fan moved to the big, beautiful new studios down the way. And I don't think anyone who shares any of the studios around us agrees that <laughs> no, we're still here. Yeah, we're still loud and obnoxious. <laughs> yeah. um, so, Caroline, l- let's talk about. Let's talk about you. Let's talk about where this all started. When did you decide, I want to be in sports? I think it was probably early in high school. I can't remember a specific time or moment, Mm -hmm. but I'm the youngest in the family. I have two older brothers, and I came just from a very, 
I guess, political family, or we like to talk about current events. So while we ate dinner every night, the news was on. So I was always kind of interested in journalism. And then I was the jock of the family and loved sports and played a ton of sports and loved watching sports more than my brother's dad, mom. So the two I just quickly figured out kind of went hand in hand. So it was early in high school. And I remember I sent like a blind email, I guess you could say, to Catherine Humphreys at the time, who was to me like the mecca. She was the the best. best on city. Yeah. On city TV. She did the sports for many years. She's now, I guess, retired. We can say she has Mm -hmm. twins. And I'd never even told her this when I started reporting for Sportsnet when I'd see her that, oh, hi, I sent you an email and high school and she got back to me and gave me advice and I just freaked out. It was the best. That's so cool. Yeah. So it was was one of my big ones too. Really? Yeah. Yeah. She was so good. Took us to the Raptors. She goes to like the Air Canada Center. Yeah. What about your mother? (laughs) (laughs) Your mom has a pretty cool job, Adam. (laughs) She is. I've done that a million times. (laughs) She was award winning. Alanis Morissette. My my mom's like, here, I'm going to hook you up with someone who's actually cool. And uh, we got to shoot hoops at the, at the, uh, Air Canada or your Center. mom just wanted a break too. Yeah, probably, that. <laughs> probably. <laughs> a bit of pain in the ass. Um, no, Catherine so- Humphreys was was very influential in Toronto and I think in Canada because like it wasn't just that she did sports; she like injected fun into it. Like she was one of the one of the first kind of anchors I saw that like actually made jokes along with. The oh sports. yeah, and, and she's yeah. so smart and quick too. And I think to be quick is one of the greatest skill sets you can have, and especially in this industry, because mm-hmm. she never forced a laugh. It was just all oh. so naturally, organically funny. She said everything with like a wink, like yeah, it was kind mm. of like you know, and and this uh, is just between us. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she had a way of uh, making. Uh, there's certain people that have. Uh, a talent for making the entire room comfortable. Yes. Like everybody's shoulders just come down. Absolutely. And especially with athletes, and you guys know better than I would, but they always, they're walking around tense. Like when Wendell Clark or Mark Messier or any of those guys come into breakfast television, they're tense. And then they kind of relax because Dina is able to put everybody at ease. She's one of those right. people that has that that gift. And yeah. I thought Catherine always was like that too. Well, and I think too in sports is sometimes we forget when we're so wrapped up in it that it's sports. You know what I mean? It's supposed to be fun. And she was good too because she would be, I covered the Leafs because I was doing reporting for Sportsnet before I moved to Vancouver for anchoring in 2014. So I guess the season before that and I would see her at a bunch of Leafs practices and you could just tell the players trusted her Mm because she was never just, she wasn't out to get them. And by that, I don't mean that she wouldn't ask the tough questions, but she didn't do it in a very confrontational way. She knew how to talk to them. Right. In a kind of landscape where sometimes the athletes would have trouble trusting the media and a lot of times for good reason, Mm -hmm. right? She also didn't, I find this is like the the thing that that bugs me the most about today is everybody wants that one soundbite that goes viral, right? So you've got that gotcha sort of question like, oh, I I got like when when Dave Feschuk asked Phil Kessel if he was hard to coach, yes, right? That was one of those clips that there are some people that chase that all season. Mm -hmm. And that has to be exhausting as a player where she was never, she was never like that. No. And it's I don't think long term it pays off to be like that. Well, no. And I think reporters and journalists as a whole need to think, do I just want to get those answers or do I want to have a relationship where I can get some good stories down the road? And it's each to their own. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, for some people it works, for others it doesn't. And it just kind of depends on what you're willing to do and I guess what you're personality is. I've always prided myself when I do interviews or when I am in the field is to talk to people like I would want to be talked to. That doesn't mean you avoid the tough questions, but you don't have to do it in a rude way. way. Yeah. 
I was saying yeah. to Jesse before we started the podcast, like imagine if after 20 minutes of this podcast, someone came in and was hounding us being like, what the, What were you thinking with that opener? Like, were you trying? <laughs> that was awful. What, what happened there? I'd kind of be like, okay, well, thanks. The show is I don't have a boss. To do that <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, I'm certainly not going to say anything. It's more Adam and Jesse going, you know, Steve, you're really kind of bad. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. You're right. That's actually true. Not true. Well, I just found it interesting, too, when I started is even scrum sometimes there's no and and this isn't all the time it's a generalization but sometimes there's no hey how's it going good can i ask you a few questions it's microphone in the face and you start asking questions which is a very bizarre way to talk to anyone yeah it's not you know it's just you ever get you ever get someone who walks into the middle of the scrum and they're looking up the entire time (laughs) thinking like that no like not even (laughs) thinking like as you're asking the question like surely like okay I'm surrounded by people that are asking me questions. If the person on my left mm-hmm. asks me something, I'm going to look to my left. Right. But, like, they just kind of look up, and that's how they continue their answer. I don't know if that's, like, social anxiety or what. I think it's just, I don't know, contempt for the scrum. Yeah, I think it's like anything. There's all kinds, right? Who was yeah. the first person you, do you remember, who, who did you scrum with first? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, actually, you know what? It was in university, and the, I don't know if it's still the case, because in London, the owner or part owner of what's now Budweiser, is it now Budweiser Gardens? Yeah, because it used to be Labatt. Mm-hmm. Um, they might or still have ownership or a relationship with the 76ers. So the 76ers oh. came to town and did a did a preseason game in London. I can't remember if it was the Raptors or who it was. So that was my first time ever in a locker room. And granted, I was probably 19 years old. So I was completely ill-equipped for the situation, right? In in as many ways as, yeah. Yeah. So it was more, I walk in, I have no idea how to even, do you go up to, do you ask someone if you can interview them? Do you not? Let alone the like partial nudity, right? When you walk into a locker room. Yes. So I was just, yeah. th- I had no idea what was happening. I don't remember who I scrummed, but I remember another London reporter. I kind of went to him and just said, Do we, excuse my ignorance, but do we just, how does this work? And then I, fi- and then you figure it out quickly. How do you report? Report <laughs> in general. How do you normally go? Well, because well, it? it's such an abnormal way to start out. I mean, I just didn't know because no. I'd never been in a locker room. It's funny mm-hmm. though, going to that school that they wouldn't have said, Hey, before you go into this room, here are the things you would expect to find, right. and here's what you should do. Right. But to be fair, too, it's not like I was in a sports broadcasting course, so it's not like in other areas of journalism you'd be in that situation. What did you take? So it was kind of just, it was broadcast journalism. It was broadcast. So you get media studies at Western, and then you get uh, broadcast journalism radio from Fanshawe. Right. I almost went to Fanshawe, too. That's, That's why, like, one of the students... other schools I almost dropped out of. Oh, yeah? <laughs> well, that's right. That's right. I, I always forget, man. You treat schools like just, I don't know, <laughs> chocolate bar wrappers. You just throw them over your shoulder. Um, students at the College of Sports Media and uh, the new sports media program at Ryerson, like, I really hope you understand how unbelievably lucky you are. Like, that, that, that's a brand spanking new thing. Yeah. Yep. It's pretty cool. It used to just be nice. broadcast. I, I, yeah, the equipment's nice. I love the, uh, yeah, when you go into a school, I, like, I, I think I was, I was at Humber, and... Uh, and I looked at their board and I was like, oh my God, this board is brand new. And they're like, yeah, we get a new one like every five years. <laughs> the board I'm sitting at currently is older than I am right now. Yeah. 
Yeah, students, the equipment you're using in school is better than the equipment you're going to end yeah. up using. Millennials, 100%. eh? <laughs> Damn millennials. I, I, think, I think we're actually all millennials, yeah, technically. We are. But yeah. we are. I don't know um, exactly and, uh, what a millennial is. Yeah, we, we yeah, were researching it the other night at work. After we'd completed all our work, of course. Of course, yes, yeah. absolutely. Mm, yes. Ben Ennis was not pleased to hear that he counts as a millennial. Yeah, well, how old is Ben? <laughs> I, th- uh, I, f- I forget how old he is, but I think a millennial starts in 81 or 82. Right. And what? Now, now they've yeah. changed really? that. That's according to Wikipedia, which could be wrong. They've just changed it. But now there's, what is it, Xenials? Xenials? Oh, is that Jesse what it is, is now? Yeah, from 81 yeah. to like 85. Oh. It's the generation between Generation Z Oh, please, Z and... that's just that age group creating that. Like a four, like a <laughs> Once the Avocado Toast story came out. They're like, no, that's not. I don't it. think a fourteen-year-old is walking up to a thirty-six-year-old and going, "Hello, fellow peer." Like, no. What the hell? Hello, person who's more than twice my age. It's weird. We, we are the same, you and I. And Xenials is spelt with a Z, uh, an X. Oh, it's an X, not it's a Z. A, oh, okay. yeah, it's an well, X. that's it's the micro confusing. generation between Gen X and Millennials. So there you go. He micro lost me. generation. <laughs> yeah, again, we've <laughs> micro micro generation. Um, so, <laughs> so <I'm sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> I bet a millennial came up with that term. Um, so, Car- Carolyn, so you okay? So you're in high school. You you're you're a jock. You, like, what sports did you play? What were your sports? Uh, basketball was my main sport. Okay, and I played softball and soccer, and I played tennis in the summers. Okay. Holy smokes! So you were one of those. Eh? Sign up for yeah. you, just, you played it. Yeah. Okay. So you did, oh yeah, you I loved it. Everything. Everything. Yeah, so basketball, uh, so even growing up, we had a basketball net on our driveway, and my eldest brother's seven years older, and my room overlooked the driveway, and I remember as a kid standing up, because even when I was probably about five or six, standing up on my bed, and I could look out the window, and he was playing with my dad, but it was past my bedtime, so I was never allowed to go out, and I was just like, this is not this is not cool. And then I would always try and get better and better and better. And then when my parents wanted to repave the drive or they were, instead of having a paved driveway, they wanted to just have gravel. Oh no. And I said, uh, I was probably 10 or 11. And I said, this is not, this is not going to do. Yeah. Yeah. So they had to put like kind of brick at the top of the driveway. (laughs) So it was a quarter brick and the rest gravel. Not the best look. But it worked for me. It was wow. enough. Yeah, you still, I mean, you learned on a on a brick court, which still the ba- the basketball can go anywhere. Oh yeah, point. yeah. As our neighbors found out uh, the hard course. way. Yeah. yeah, but they did they hate you guys or were they cool with it? No, I just ruined some shrubs, but <laughs> it's still, everything's fine. Shrubs regrow. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, okay, and then you're so you get to the end of high school, you start applying. Why Western Fanshawe? I just kind of liked the mix where I kind of got a university background and and the college, so it was kind of theory and hands on. Because I found at Western, it was just nice even for, like, I know it sounds silly, but critical thinking and analysis and writing. So, yeah, I applied to a bunch, though. I think I got waitlisted at Ryerson. Same. <laughs> no, I got Me waitlisted too. for journalism at Ryerson. Never <laughs> yeah. ended up getting in. Really? Yeah, never ended up getting but in. you got I into still... the better program. Yeah. You did kind of get into the more <laughs> no. I, Well, I don't know. Yeah. Radio and TV and journalism. Based on what were, you want to do? For sure, it's the better program. Oh, oh. Like in terms of, I thought you meant like in terms of prestige. No, no, both. In, in terms no, of both. Hell no. In terms of no. career goals, like holy shit, yeah. Like oh my god, did I luck out? Now yeah. it's funny if you ask a Ryerson journalism student, uh, or no, you ask a U of T journalism student what they think of a Ryerson journalism student. Like is that you? You look at it like Ryerson journalism and then RTA, which is now what is it called? I forget what it's called. Uh, it's like media, School of media, arts, but then like a bunch of different breakdowns of it. Now. U of T students are like. <laughs> You guys are a joke. You're a bunch of jokes. You didn't go to U of well, T. So CBC, I've heard, prefers to hire RTA students or Ryerson students. But 
around a lot of the in- industry, there's a lot of like uh, really? thumb, thumb in your nose at Ryerson. I, I got it. I got it when I was an intern. I got it from Wilner. Uh, really? He's he's. I introduced myself to him, and he's just like, ah, you're a Ryerson student, huh? <laughs> How's that working out for you? And like, that's my like first and only impression of Mike Wilner. <laughs> Wilner actually pretty good. Yeah, well, I I always tell students, too, when they say, where should I go? I said, honestly, I don't think it matters that much. Mm -hmm. I loved where I went to school, but it depends on who you are as a person and your work ethic. Mm -hmm. Right. And I tell students, you're all finishing with the same degree or diploma at different schools. So do something extra. Yeah, because it's not going to just because you go to a certain school doesn't mean you're going to get a job or or the the job. (laughs) You're all graduating into the same catastrophe of an industry. Exactly, exactly. Don't worry about it. Yeah. So you get your first job, like okay. So you, you you obviously reported on things in London. How big? Just so we know. Just so nobody who's like, if you've never lived in London, just how big are the nights there? Oh, they're massive. Yeah, it's like live or die by the nights. And, and they've been so good for so long too, so that it's always just been really easy. But that's a hockey town. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's split between Red Wings fans and Leafs fans, mm-hmm. and then everyone's a Knights fan. Because it's like weirdly in the middle. Because geographically, yeah. Right. And also the Leafs sucked for a very yeah. long time. Yes. Yeah. I would imagine that changes in the next little bit. I imagine. Well, especially with Marner so. and Kadri, right? Yeah. As former Knights. Yeah. Former Knights, Mark, Mark Hunter. Yep. Mm-hmm. Did you? Um, who did you interview there that, that went out into the NHL? Do you remember? Oh, that's a good question. I don't really remember. It was during the, I mean, Kadri was there right when I started. I believe, I think I interviewed him. Isn't it bad that I don't remember? I think I interviewed <laughs> well, him in school. Well, after a while, you do so many that yeah. they kind of blur. Right? Yeah. So it's a t- it's kind of a tough question. I know. Would you, would you have gotten like the tail end of Tavares or Delzato? Um, no, they were already going on to the NHL. So they it were was drafted the in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. Do I you, think that might have been one of their off years because they basically sold the farm to get to Varys. Of course. Yeah. 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 Um, did you feel like, okay, so like having that perspective, they always talk about those kids, like there's a reputation from some of those guys that come out of London, like mm-hmm. they know that they're superstars or feel like they're superstars. Right. Do you feel like that's the case? Is that reputation deserved? And, and I guess secondly, is it a healthy environment for a 16-year-old to step into? Yeah, I'm trying to think back because when I was in London and you're kind of going out to the bars and you're a student, there was no, I don't remember everyone, anyone ever saying like, oh, I saw so-and-so out or I see them out and about in the city. I mean, it wasn't, uh, I mean, I know they're also underage, but there's no, there's (laughs) no like, no, (laughs) but there's, there was no kind of hierarchy in the city for like a young generation. Of course, this was when social media was just beginning. So Mm -hmm. maybe that has something to say to it. But I think they're. I think they're kind of brought up the right way within the Knights organization. They know how to do things. They know how to win, and they know how to kind of create champions. I think, though, it is tough, and and we kind of saw it with Kadri. I think it's tough when you're going from there, and you're from London, and then you're moving on to the Leafs. You know what I mean? Because then it's just like Mm -hmm. you go from big to bigger pretty quickly. But he had to to stop at the, you know— uh, what is it? Three thousand a night Marleys in in between. Yeah, yeah. back when yeah. no one no cared one about them. Like, no. It's it's always it's still a miracle to me that Nazem Kadri's still a Leaf. Like just given the path that he had to take. How many yeah. times he could have been traded and it just fell oh. through yeah. for the wrong reasons? Like, yeah, it's not say. Eh? Luongo was this close to being a Leaf, and it was Kadri and oh, thousands of rumors. Remember Cody yeah. Hodgson? Yes, he was supposed to be a Leaf every five oh. minutes. Yep. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Oh. Four Kadri. 
Can you imagine they made that deal now? <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh. Scary. Um, rebuild would have been longer for sure. <laughs> uh. um, so then, okay, so you, you, you deal in that, and then what's your first job out of school? So in my final year of university, so I interned at the fan for two summers Mm -hmm. and I started writing a tennis blog. I think it was the first or second summer because it was well before Jeannie and Milos. And I remember asking Doug Fairway, who used to be in charge of the fan. I said, can I just write this? Because and he's like, yeah, do whatever you want, because they didn't care. It's free content. and No one was probably reading it anyway. Right. Because no offense. But tennis in Canada at the time was not not what it is now. No. And so I was doing that and I was continuing that in university. And then they started having me when kind of Milos in 2011 was doing well. They had me like do hits on the fans. So late at night where I'd go on and hits as in go on on the radio and just talk about tennis. So then I found out it was someone at someone at the fan told me that they were having these auditions, but no one knew exactly what it was for at Sportsnet, but they knew it was for Sportsnet. They were actually kind of using a casting agency. Okay. So I went out for those in my final year of university, and it was, I think the first one was in November, and I thought, okay, I think that I did okay, and then I heard nothing back, and then they came back and said, okay, we'd like to bring you back. And I actually remember it was during exams, and I said to my mom, I was in London, I called her, I said, I don't know if it's like realistically I'm not going to get whatever job this is because I'm in school and I kind of I mean I'm so busy maybe I just should I don't even know if it's worth it and she said no I you should go it's if nothing else it's a great experience oh my gosh thank goodness can you imagine (laughs) I'm an idiot so what did that job turn into so yeah by the third audition it turned into um sports updates for city news channel which was brand new yeah I remember that which was The perfect, and I started around the same time as Sean McKenzie. He and I were both doing it. And it was just the perfect entry. I mean, getting a job in Toronto out of school is very rare. Mm -hmm. But it it was part-time, but it was, I would, at the start I didn't produce them, but then just a couple months and I did. So it's two, three-minute updates twice an hour for nine hours. So the reps that you're getting, That's a lot. and there's no wow. teleprompter or anything because the camera was in the newsroom. So you're just so doing you're it. So you're distracted. It's just, it was so good. So I did that for, I guess, two years. But by my by the end of the first year, they started having me do some reporting in the field, and that's when I would do some Leafs and Raptors. And then when Martine Geyer went on mat leave, they had me kind of fill in at the desk. And my boss at the time told me, this was probably in September, he said, we're not going to have you as an anchor, you're just filling in. I said, yeah, that's fine. We want you as a reporter. Sure, and then, totally. And then two months later, yeah, we want you to move to Vancouver to be the full-time... Um, like Sportsnet Central morning host with James Zabalski. I was like, I thought I wasn't going to be an anchor. They're like, yeah, no, we think it would be good. Well, so this is, wow, that happened really So that was, I started. That wasn't that long ago at all. No, no, so I started doing the City Hits in April 2012, and then I moved to Vancouver in March 2014. So that's that was the basically the month that, I moved here from Calgary. Oh, okay. And I remember that announcement going out because it was one of the first things that I got in my Rogers email when yeah. I joined the company. <laughs> You're like, uh, who you know, is this big... chick? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. It was just like, wow, good for th- good for them. That's amazing. Yeah. I knew James. Yes. Oh, and, yeah. And I and I I hadn't seen you because I wasn't here, right? Yeah. Um. So I was like, this is amazing. Good for her. Like, that's that's sick. And you get to move to Vancouver, which is probably one of the most beautiful places in the world. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. But at the time, I was terrified. Really? Like, yes. And wow. I needed I when. 
when I was offered, I honestly thought to myself, I can't, I can't do this. Yeah, yeah. But I thought because I thought I can't do this because. To be fair, I was because I was young when I got in at Sportsnet. So at this time, I was 20, almost 24, 23. And I'm thinking I've been anchoring for three months. Fill in. I'm, I can't. And, and I was worried. And I'm moving across the country and I know no one there. I'm thinking this is an awful idea and this could go horribly wrong, which I guess it could have. But luckily it didn't. But I was just nervous because you're doing a lot of I mean, the reason people say don't and why you can't usually start in Toronto is you want to make your mistakes when not a ton of people are watching. And I was just thinking, I'm going to be learning and growing on air while everybody's watching. Mm-hmm. But luckily, so far, it's worked out. Yeah, so you went to the, the <laughs> tiny little market of Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> well, and it was a national show, too, right? Oh, so, geez. Like, That's it was right. just... I mean, only 25 to 30 million people had <laughs> cable and could have watched at that time, right? right? So, But it went, like, and, and it was kind of just, we, we called ourselves the Island of Misfit Toys because there were only four of us out there doing the show and a, and a couple people who worked on the teleprompter. So we were, and the whole show was produced out of Toronto. So we had a two second delay too. So when you're reading highlights, everything's delayed, but then you learn to just speak, um, like speak two seconds ahead of yourself. Oh, okay. So this is for, it was, it was kind of oh. like doing a remote so, okay, every so, night. Okay. So <laughs> I've done, it is, it is really hard by the way to do sports highlights if, like unless if there's you're any rhythm. delay, yeah, absolutely. I've had to do them on BT, and they're really hard. Yeah. Um. So tell me how that works. So you're you're seeing the monitor, obviously, right? Yes. So tell me how are you ahead of the monitor or are you behind it? So it looks fine, but you can hear in your ear how it's actually playing. So you're hearing so yourself you can back he- in your ear? No, you can hear the music that they'll play, but you'll also hear the sound of the highlights. Because you know when you're watching it on Sportsnet Central, you may not notice, but you can still hear the call. Mm-hmm. But there's music over top. So you would just you just train yourself where okay I can hear in my ear where it is and how the shot's going off. So even if it's I know it sounds really hard, but you get used to it. You just start doing it in advance. Man. <laughs> <laughs> but then when I I was I just turned twenty four when we started. But see, That's but, but having to do that. But oh see, but it's but it's what you do on on remotes like Rogers Cup. There's always there's a delay. Sure. But yeah, in the comfy confines of our studio here, it's all you're watching it, and that's how it is. And but that's where Seaball was great, and and our little island of misfit toys. We just you, you became a family. Like we would do, we did a ton of stuff together. Cause and it's just like n- like no other working experience I've ever had. Cause you're just you're all each other has, and you're mm-hmm. all in it together, and you're just. And we knew too, cause our show. They shut down production out of that studio in March of 2016, last year. Mm-hmm. And we just found out the the night before that a boss was coming out the next day. So we knew that would probably be our last show. And oh. just in the landscape of how this industry is, we knew the whole time I was out there it was going to happen. So for the two years I was there, we just kind of banded together. And, and enjoyed the experience. Yeah. And yeah. that's where Seaball, as a veteran broadcaster, was so good to me. He was like a big brother. Because he helped me out and... He seems yeah. like a great guy. He I is hope, a really good guy. I hope he knows he's really appreciated because there's a lot of like little stories that float around the industry of how good of a guy he is. He's a very good guy. Yeah. I mean, I like to make fun of him because it's really well, easy. Oh, he's But he's still guy. a good yeah. guy. Yeah. <laughs> and he's doing the morning I, show at uh, Sportsnet 650. Yeah, Vancouver, it right? launches on Labor Day. Yeah. 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 Crazy. Well, and that's that's what happens when you're a good person. Yes. Um, and also are, are good at what you do. Now, mm-hmm. I, remember, I, I will never forget with James the... Uh, uh, the amazing tweet that Bob McKenzie 
sent out when James, because James was doing afternoons at uh, at at the at the TSN. He was up against Bob McCowan, right? Which is, is uh, um, you could put anybody up against him. It's it's going to be tough. Yeah. Um and. And I remember him going to making the move to Sportsnet and they hadn't really announced it, but that, you know, he was leaving and Bob sent out this really nice tweet about, and, you know, I've so enjoyed working with this guy and like, you know, when Bob McKenzie sends something like that. Yeah, it sounds pretty legit. It's a big deal. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have to. He doesn't you know? have to. Yeah. Always, no. always take note when someone goes out of their way to be nice. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or to say something. Well, so, and even talking to Seaball too, you learn a lot about people in the industry and how good people are too. When something like our show was shut down, and I was fortunate enough to move back and have a spot, but I mean, people just get caught in the crossfire, you know. But the amount of people that'll reach out is pretty spectacular. Yeah, I think uh, I think there was a point when that wasn't the case. But yeah, I feel like that was the heady days in the '80s when everybody was making money hand over fist, and, right? And it was more a competition rather than what it is now, which is like we are all in this together yes. as it shrinks. And you can be competitive changes. with yourself and sure. always want to get better, but that doesn't mean you need to. You know, that means you can still help. You're only as good. Like I always say too at the desk, you're only, and it's the same with you guys on the podcast. Like you need to set each other up and it's for the viewer. So you're going to look better if you set them up and vice versa. Yeah. So, so support each other, guys. These guys are always setting me Kumbaya. up. Kumbaya. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I just think listener. it's funny how. It's for the listener, Steve. Yes. Listener so benefit trumps everything. Jesse and I are just doing what's right for the show. You are. <laughs> Should I not have said anything? I'm I'm glad you did. Let's just say that we're starting to add clips to our YouTube channel, and uh, Jesse reopened a, a, a fairly wound? fresh wound. <laughs> what wound was that? That was the I just think it's funny how oh, yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. No, it was no. a good one. Is it uh, my fault? You don't want to support your good friend? <laughs> That's another good point, Jesse. That's another great point. So you know how James, you said James is easy to make fun of. Yeah. Steve walks into it. Right? Oh, like, yeah. I sprint. Yeah. I get made like fun of those so much in the newsroom. Really? Yeah. Cause, but I just, again, like as a younger sister of two older brothers, it's just you grow up where you can't say anything without yeah. getting them. But I think it's good. I think for me, teasing, if I make fun of you, it means I'm good friends with you and like you. Yeah, I would hope so. Yeah. Yeah, you've got it. Um, I, I want to rewind just a little bit. Do you remember your first hit on City News Channel when the lights went up? There's no prompter to hold you up, right? Like, yes. Because that is a big deal. When those, I, I don't care what anyone says. It doesn't matter how much practice you get. When you are alone and you are carrying a segment and there's no prompter to back you up, it's terrifying. Yes. I, re I remember my first city hit because I honestly thought I was going to black out. And again, you're standing on this stool in the middle of coworkers. So first of all, these are coworkers I do not know. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, they're going to be listening. And I just need, I don't know what I'm going to say. And I just, you know. Mm -hmm. And so my heart, I remember, was just pounding. And I was freaking out. And then once you get through it and you realize, oh my gosh, look, I'm still alive. Everything's fine. Mm -hmm. Then you just keep going. I, I remember the first. Again in 15 minutes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, oh, I remember I the, the first time, too, I did Sportsnet Central. I was just, I get nervous. And anytime I do something new, I get really nervous. And I was just, my heart was just pounding a mile a minute. And I remember my first post J show, which was still only, I'd probably, it was on a weekend and I was just doing it by myself. And that's when, and you can't do this, that's when you think of the viewers. And you think of numbers. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, oh, my, do not screw this up. And I remember about 10 minutes before air, I thought, I can't, I'm not going to be able to, I can't, I'm not going to be able to do this. Just, and then it was fine. Yeah. But you just have to get through that, right? And then every, the next thing won't seem so scary. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Well, yeah. And, and just got to breathe and everything's fine. Until they pull you out of your comfort zone else. again. What's that? Yeah. I just try to think of anything. Yeah. Anything I just say else. it's just talking. That's what I'll just remind myself, hmm. even though it's not really, but I'll just say, Carolyn, really... it's just all you have to do is talk. Everything's fine. Yeah, you say it's just talking, <laughs> and then all those little voices go in front of millions of people. You go, <laughs> get out, get out. Dude, I almost blacked out talking to Wendell Clark at the the playoff tailgate. Oh, yeah. I remember just being like, this is a really silly moment right now, and like, I almost, honest to God, fainted. Yeah. I, I think it's really, what you do is incredible, and I don't think I could ever do it, because... When I do my videos, it's in a room and it's closed off from everybody, and I think it's genuinely making me worse at like doing live stuff. Because like I think I'm, it's just I'm alone, but it's just no, I'm but it's just, but you would it's just what I said. Once you do it and get used to it, like I get nervous public speaking, and people always say you're going to be fine. This is what you do. I say no, it's not what no, I do. I'm not. in a now. I don't get nervous to the point I can't do it. But you just kind of have those butterflies yeah. beforehand. But uh, you, that's that's healthy though, isn't it? I think yeah. Let's go with that. Yeah. You care. <laughs> yes. I if I wasn't nervous, I would be very like even before the first day at Rogers Cup, you kind of have those butterflies and because you want to start strong. Mm-hmm. I don't know if. If you find two in your shows, but if in any show, even Sportsnet Central, if I kind of make a mistake that I, I mean, we, I make, everyone makes mistakes all the time and it's fine. But if I make a mistake that's kind of stupid or bugs me early on in the show, then in the back of my head for the rest of the show, I'm like, don't screw this up. Mm. Right. So it's like, I need a good start and then we're good. Yeah. Or at least that's what I, that's what I do. Yeah. I I used to get, um, when I was on, on the air in Barrie. Barrie, Ontario, Mm -hmm. uh, if, if I screwed up a break, which was often, and early, it would bug me for the rest of the show. My sh- my shows were six hours long on the weekends. <laughs> right. They were nine to three, so they sucked. And so if if, if at nine forty five I had a bad break at eleven forty five, twelve forty five, it would still affect me. And at a certain point, I had to realize like. Man, nobody's listening. Like nobody. Like first off, nobody's listening. But nobody's it's, listening that long. No, and it's always any mistake is always worse in your own head than it is on air for oh, the yeah. most part. Yeah. And I find you have to, I've trained myself too to have a short memory where I'll let something bug me for maybe a couple minutes and then it's just, okay, completely move on. And even if you do something really well, it's kind of like, oh, that was great. And then move on. What have your, like, this is silly moments been? Like where, where you're just, you're in the moment and you're present, but you're just like, this is, this is ridiculous what's going on right now. Um, Like ridiculous in terms of how am I here doing this? Yeah. Yeah. I got to, so last year I got to go to Wimbledon to cover... Um, Milo Sharanich's run to the Wimbledon final. And so I, so long story short, hopefully this won't be long. I was a ball kid growing up at Rogers Cup. And that's when I really fell in love with tennis because you're on the court with them. And it's just awesome. And some of my best friends, like I'm going to the U.S. Open this weekend. And one of them was a ball kid. And the other one's my best friend who I made friends with at tennis camp as a counselor in the summer. (laughs) So I have a lot of good friends who love tennis. So I went to Wimbledon with some of those friends this two summers ago, and that was great to just be there. It's like, it's the Mecca. I was, we got teary-eyed. I mean, it was just ridiculous, right? And then, so last year going to Wimbledon to cover it was just insane in its, in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And then I got to see, Federer to me is the greatest athlete of all time. I could go on for hours. So I got to see him at Wimbledon and I saw Milos beat him and then Milos is in the final. And if that's not enough, the night before the final, I get a text saying, um, ESPN wants to have a Canadian on breakfast at Wimbledon with Hannah Storm to discuss Milos. And I sent a, <laughs> and I sent a text back being like this, like, 
uh, is what are you what at ESPN? Do I know it's not. Canadian? Yeah, is is there, no, yeah. but I'm thinking like, is this another? Is this no? This can't be right. And they said, yeah. So you're going to be on tomorrow with Hannah. And again, I grew up watching Breakfast at Wimbledon. To me, that's the be all and end all. So I was so so. That's again a nervous like. I was talking to some friends, my parents, and I just remembered it's you're just talking. You need to simplify things. You don't have to show what you know. Just try and share this. They just said we want you to share the story of how Canadians are feeling. So I didn't tweet it out or anything beforehand. And I I was feeling nervous. And you're in the like you're in the green room. And it's like McEnroe and Darren Cahill and Chris McKendry. And Chris McKendry to me is just one of the best at her job. So I'm just thinking, what is happening? So this is hours of me. The night before, I'm thinking, what is happening? This is not going to actually happen. Then the day of, yeah, I actually slept really well. I don't, I must have just been exhausted. And I was feeling (laughs) nervous. But then right when I sat down at the desk, it's like some comfort. You know what I mean? Because you're used to sitting at a desk and talking. And I sat down and I kind of looked around. I thought, I didn't feel nervous anymore. I thought, I can do this. I know what I'm going to say. And Hannah was really nice and relaxed. And then I did it. And I honestly didn't think that many people would be watching because it was at 8.30 a.m. Eastern time and the final started at 9. And I'd never received that many tweets or texts or... It was incredible. And I'm just really happy I didn't royally screw up. (laughs) (laughs) But that moment, I was just... It That's was nuts. That's and like I almost, your like coach's corner, like yeah. night in Canada. I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't believe it. That was just really fun. That is so cool. Yeah, and still now I, I get goosebumps from that. Yeah, that and so still, cool. still now I kind of think back when I was watching Wimbledon this summer. I was kind of thinking, did that happen? How did that happen? Oh, I was there. Yeah, so that was fun. That was really cool. What is what's the? Did you notice like a huge difference between the crowd at the Rogers Cup and a crowd at Wimbledon this year? I mean, Wimbledon's massive just because it's a Grand Slam, so you have the men and the women, and it's it's just physically yeah. bigger. But I was in Montreal at the Rogers Cup this year where they set the attendance record for most people at a one-week tournament at a Masters 1000. It was insane in Montreal. And and I think it's in part because Federer was there, a big part. Mm-hmm. But, al- excuse me, but also just because Dennis had such a run. But the stadium there, it's almost like you're on top of each other. It's just a really good setup. It's not really rectangular. It's not a circle. It's just kind of... Federer said, and I don't know if he says this other places, he said it's his favorite center court other than Wimbledon. Wow. And people are dancing at changeovers, and it, it was packed. I was... And Montreal's and, and ev- so great, right? Yeah. They're, they're, they're there to have a good time. Yes. So that crowd, honest, because I've been to Indian Wells and Miami and... I was really, really impressed with the Canadian tennis fans because they're hardcore fans, too. I mean, they're on other courts watching. Like, the crowd for Gasquet, Zverev, was massive. And I mean, Gasquet's a Frenchman, and a lot of people were behind him, and Zverev, Zverev. But even the outside courts, it was packed. Yeah. I wanted to ask you because, you know, I, I know the, you you cover the sport a lot more in depth than I even could, could even hope to pay attention to it. Um, but there's a couple questions. First off, is it Shapovalov or is it uh, Shapovalov? No, Shapovalov. It is Shapovalov. Well okay, done. So good, I was saying it right. Because <laughs> we were trying to figure it out on BT, and then Arash said it one one way one day, and then oh, really? and then another yeah. way the next it's day. It's Shapovalov. Shapovalov, okay. Yes. And the other thing is, so you, when Jeannie Bouchard was in, mm-hmm. and I know that you interviewed her on Sportsnet yes. uh, 590, yep. um, I wanted to talk to you about her career, because she mm-hmm. is, of all the tennis stars, and no disrespect to Milos and, and Dennis, but she's the one that's really kind of gained the worldwide stage mm-hmm. on a, you know, she's like an on a, like an A-lister, right? Yeah. Um, 
she's had really great moments and she's had really tough moments and it seems like she's in a, a really tough spell right now. What are, what's your thoughts on her career? Is Are the rumors about her spending too much time doing promo true? Is it that she's streaky? Is it what's what's Jeannie Bouchard's background and what's her deal? Yeah, it's a good question. So 2014 was her massive breakthrough and everyone thought this girl's going to be the best in the world pretty soon. Seemed like a trajectory. Yeah. yeah, and the reason she was doing so well was because she hits the ball early. So that's why her stroke's so fast. She's really, really aggressive and all that's based on her confidence. So she was just going on this role. No one was used to playing her and it was working up until the Wimbledon final. That's kind of when the decline started against Kvitova, who's a really hard hitter. And Jeannie didn't really change or adapt her game. And then I think I I would guess and I don't know because I'm not in Jeannie's head. But I think after that, when you have that level of attention and fame at a young age, it can kind of get to you and the pressure will get to you. But now, years removed, I disagree with the notion that she's not working hard. And a lot of people, too. I was talking about this with Jesse before we came on. People read into how her social media is and all that, which I don't think is entirely fair. She's got a manager for that, right? Like, they, yeah, she's well, not posting them. <laughs> well, and the thing too is, I mean, sure, if you're struggling, it's it's best to keep your keep other people's focus on tennis. But from people who've played with her for the Canadian Fed Cup team and other people in tennis, they say she's a really hard worker and trainer. But that being said, what they say is that she hasn't really changed how she's working, which is sometimes even Milos has said is his fault, where it's the idea if I train really hard then I'm going to be better and and beat people. But mm. everyone's training really hard, and you need to work smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. So she hasn't adjusted things in her game. She's still going for the early ball and trying to be aggressive. But if you're playing against people who can counter that, you're not going to get far. So that, to me, has kind of been her issue, is she hasn't adapted. And people I've spoken to, too, in tennis, that's what they see. So now the issue is, and she hasn't been able to, she hasn't, stayed healthy this year mm. which doesn't help either because you can't go on streaks mm-hmm. but the the issue now with her ranking is she's getting to a point where I mean Rogers Cup she was a wild card she wouldn't have gotten in because of her ranking so she's getting to the point where she won't get direct entry into these top tournaments so is she going to go and play challenger events which are the lesser known tournaments that aren't as glamorous mm-hmm. that's where I wonder where it's going to go now I know there, there was a coaching issue as well like oh she she's went, gone through a bunch of coaches and is that that's a problem yeah. right? yeah because then you have no clear direction and she's if and maybe she doesn't agree with what they think she should change or what she can do I mean she needs consistency mm. yeah um what do you think it is with people in Jeannie because I'm just I'm going through the list of athletes in my head who I've heard, oh, they do too much promo. Or yeah. like they, they do, you know, too many, uh, I don't know, I guess sponsor things. There's PK, for sure, in hockey. Mm-hmm. Ronda he gets Rousey, ostracized, right? PK. He gets ostracized. Ronda yeah. Rousey got that in yeah. the UFC. Mm-hmm. You know, no credit to Holly Holm. Just, oh, she was doing... Right. She's yeah. off doing way too much promo, yeah. not the women's yeah. division. Sorry that Holly so much Holm better. trained her ass off for that yeah. fight. Yeah. And She's been life. braining people in the head with her legs for her entire life. And yeah. weirdly, she did that again. Uh, and Jeannie. Yeah. Do you... What is it with her? Because I, I can't put my finger on it, but when I look at how people talk about her on Twitter, it's weird. 
Yeah. Like not it's, it's every a, athlete. And, pe- and people it's, in the industry too. Yes. Like it's vicious. It's super Journalists, weird. Journalists. Really? It's yeah. Well, it and even and I, I'm just to throw it out there. Is it because she's beautiful looking? Yeah. I, I honestly think there's some sexism with it. Now she again she likes attention and has always sought attention and also been very um, confident in what she says. She's not afraid to speak her mind, which can of course get people to disagree with her and judge her a little like bit more. With um. Uh, with Sharapova and all that. But yeah. what bugs me, like at the Rogers Cup, she mentioned how playing for Canada can be a burden. Now, that's not smart to say. Whether you think <laughs> it or not, you you should, she know, she should know better. I mean, don't point the finger on the, on the media, but I also get where she doesn't feel she's been treated well by the media. But what bothered me after that was there were articles saying that she's just a pr- another pretty face on the women's tour. And I'm thinking uh-huh. if Milos or anyone else kind of fell back. I mean, she's still a top 100 player. Would you say so-and-so is just a pretty face? Are you saying that about other female tennis? You know, stuff like that bugs me because then that's where we're not, it's not about the tennis anymore. The best athletes in all sports do the most promo. Like, this isn't strange. Yeah. That's why she's marketable. I mean, when people say she's marketable, that's what they're talking about. John DeVaris endorses Vita coconut water. Coconut water. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, it's what is it, Sidney Crosby and Dempster's? Yeah, Americans don't believe me. Sidney Crosby is sponsored by bread yeah. in Canada. <laughs> Do you understand? That's so bread. You can get Sidney Crosby. Well, you bread. used to be able to get Sidney Crosby hockey cards in bread. Yeah, he's huge. He's, but but, but <laughs> no, no one says Sidney Crosby's doing too much promo. No, and when no, he was, but he's also doing really well. Right, but when so Ovechkin it's only when was, they're doing well. When Ovechkin was struggling. It was never about how Ovechkin looked. It was always Thank about. Thank you. That's Ovechkin. what I mean. Well, maybe his career is going down the toilet, and he's like, he's like laughing at them, like I'm going to score 50 goals on you right now. Right. But because people compare Genie to Kornikova, and people say Kornikova didn't do anything. She was just a pretty face. That's what people say. Thank you. It's it's you know what I mean. You're not yeah. saying this about other players. You're saying this about the ones that get the most attention, and a lot of that attention is based on their looks, which just is messed up but that's just how it is in professional sports in a large part for women that's How's just that unfortunately how it is in our business mm-hmm. i it, it bothers me because i think i mean television is it is vain in a way where it does matter how we look and how we're dressed and how we present ourselves so for me it's always been I don't want that to be the focus i want people i want to be a good broadcaster and i don't want to bring any more attention to things that I can't control, which is my appearance. Because you get things on Twitter, nice or not nice, but to me, it's I don't know you. So (laughs) that's not... But you know what I mean? That's not going to affect my confidence. Do you want to talk about Collingwood? Oh, man. Do you want to? Why not? Okay. It's your story to tell. Okay, only... Only under the, and I don't want to distract from you, Carolyn, because no. you're the guest here. Um, no, but it's a relatable experience. Yeah. You're want, on TV, right? I want to tell this story, but I want to preface it by saying that this person is not a bad person, yeah. right? and I do not want them demonized. Okay. Okay? Yeah. 
We clear? Everybody listening? Clear? Good? Good classes in on this? Okay, so what happened was we were we were with uh, Sleeman. Uh, they have their rail side session ale stuff mm-hmm. that they are uh, promoting, and we took a bunch of listeners up to Collingwood. We did a boat tour. Uh, we took really goofy uh, planted photos on, on the boat. We, we went out for pizza. Like, it was terrible. Uh, those photos were so terrible. It was so great. I love them. Um, and had an amazing, amazing time with these people. Like, I, I'm so glad. Every time we, we hang out with our own listeners, I'm like, damn. Oh, the best. They're like, everybody's yeah. rad. It's awesome. But we go to a bar, and of course, now we're outside of just the listeners, right? Mm-hmm. You're, everybody's there. There's an Irish pub, and I forget what it's called, but it's right in that Blue Mountain Circle there. And you're at a bar, so everything's kind of more relaxed. Yeah. You're friends, right? Yeah. And, Speak and, your mind. And I'm sure that you've seen, and I'm sure you've had this happen if you're at a bar or something like that, and I'm not sure how many bars you frequent, but yeah. um, <laughs> somebody grabs you and goes, hey, I know you from, mm-hmm. right? Sure. So I'm, I'm walking to the bathroom. I already have to pee. Right, like naturally, I've been drinking beer all day. I gotta go really badly. So yeah, that yeah, yeah. imagine that you're in that headspace, and somebody grabs your shoulder, mm-hmm. and I turn around, and it's a guy about my age, good looking dude, and uh, he says, "I know you. You're Adam from Breakfast Television." And that was surprising. Somebody under the age of 35 recognized me from <laughs> Breakfast Television. And, uh, and he said, uh, he said, I watch you every morning. And I said, thank you so much. That's really great. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, you know, we talked back and forth. I find out he's a firefighter in Mississauga. He told me what pump he was at. And I said, well, that's amazing. Like, you know, I, I almost was a firefighter. Like, if a broadcasting hadn't worked out, that's what I probably would have done. And he's like, oh, that's really, really cool. He's like, yeah, you know, he's like, when I watch you, I feel like I'm, I'm, uh, I'm watching a friend, and I said that is the best compliment yeah. you can pay me. And then he, and this is where <laughs> this is where the train falls off the rails. He he grabbed my belly with his thumb and his in his uh, index finger, and he said, "But this has to go, though." Yeah. And it was like I'm sorry, I'm laughing, but the balls, <laughs> the, the kind imagine, of balls you, that only no, liquor can but it's, give but, you. But I, what I find fascinating is I'm sorry that that happened to you. No, by the it's way. okay. I don't need it. So. No, but even the fact that someone like touches you is offside. Let alone what he's saying. But I find it fascinating. We talk about that. We were talking about this at work the other day. Is that for some reason when you're on TV, people and TV radio, people think that they know you. Even yes. though they don't, and they feel like I'll have people say, "Oh, I love, yeah, I love watching you. I hate when you wear that dress, or like you look, or you look <laughs> smaller in real life." Or and it's just, it's what? Is, how does this? But they think they're kind of being a helpful, nice friend, mm-hmm. and it's just. My mom used to get very, uh, you're prettier in person. Yeah, which was which like, they think is a compliment. But it's not because you're saying, yeah, it's, it's but you have to be to very yeah. nice, right? And you just say, Thank like, you, how did yeah. you react, though? Because well, you so, must have been. <laughs> so it was, it was kind of like after you Adam's a very nice floor, person. Right? <laughs> I, said, I, I, I honestly explained it to him because you know what? I, I have put on weight in the last two years. And that is because I and we were talking about this before the show started today. I'm, I'm working three different jobs. So I'm doing this. This I consider a job. It is a job. Uh, it's a small business. Uh, we're doing <laughs> breakfast television, and I've got the the radio show. So there's some days where I start at 4 a.m. and I'm not done till 7 p.m. Mm-hmm. And at a certain point, you got to sleep, right? <laughs> What's this guy say? Yeah. What's his expression and, when well, you're just didn't... like, you don't know me? Well, I didn't. I said <laughs> like... I was super kind about it. I was like super calm too, like because what am I going to do? Yell at him? Uh, no, exactly. And, and that's I said, not going to help. Man, I, I got this radio show in the afternoon. He's like, oh, I didn't know that. 
And I said, so I'm usually exhausted. So yeah, recently I've been skipping the gym a little bit more than I normally would. And I'm really tired. And when you're tired, you eat more. And I, I can't I said, believe so I you gave him weight. an explanation. I know. I don't. I don't. Meanwhile, don't forget, he really has to go to the washroom. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so anyway, I'm like, anyway, dude, I'll, I'll see you later. And I went down to the bathroom and I came back up. And the reason I'm continuing the story is this. And this is this guy again. Not do not demonize no. this person. He came up to me, put his arm around me, and he said, "Listen, man." I'm so sorry. Oh, that's About nice. 15 minutes later. He's yeah. like, I don't want you to think I'm, you're fat. And he's like, I, I, he said, I just, I said the wrong thing. And that happens. Yeah. And so I want, that's why I tell that story. Not a bad person. He right. just misspoke. Yes. Right. And again, it's this thing where people, and he paid you the highest compliment where I feel like I'm t- seeing a friend on TV. Right. So then they think in person, I know you so I can say anything. Right. It's, I, again, we talk about it at work all the time when there's just, we have something in our day, something similar, and we come in and it's like, can you get over this? But then it's kind of like, <laughs> okay, well, I mean, I get it. We get there's, it. There's, it's just very, it's very bizarre. And I find too at bars too, when people are drinking and they'll come up to you and it's like just social norms go out the window. Uh, so you have to be very good at, I mean, be nice and, and then, but you also have to. And at a certain point, I think move, some move people on. would give you the license not to be nice, but I always yeah. feel like people have the best intentions. Yes. Right? Yeah. Always. Every single time, I've never once had like someone with bad intentions, right? Mm-hmm. In person, right? And you know what? We put on fucking weight from time to time, right? <laughs> Holy fucking shit! It's it, it's the I'm almost thirty, man. I'm gonna put on some pounds every once in but a while. But I just find it funny. Can you imagine any other job? Just some random person coming up to you, saying like like at a law firm, and some <laughs> person, like some client comes in, being like, "Listen, you are great on this case, but." Hey, buddy. <laughs> Johnson, what's going on there? <laughs> Compelling argument. Yeah. Glad we won the case, but you put on a few pounds later. Mm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so, greetings, Your Honor. Oh you fat. Also, uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we also have like a BT, and I know you. I know you would get this because women always get it worse than men. We have foot fetish people. Oh, that, that's like, gross. Like, I don't have that. Thank goodness. And like, oh, yeah, I really like the sandals you're wearing today and stuff <laughs> okay. like that. It's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, that's... <laughs> <this is so laughs> weird. like, Jesse's like, I know it sounds crazy, but and they they're totally cool with tweeting that out and going, hey, you got great looking feet. Like, it's yeah. weird. It's I I've seen it. Oh, my God. Anyway, the Sorry. Back yeah. to you. The only time I've blocked people, too, is if they if I feel highly uncomfortable. Because that makes me mad mm-hmm. when I hate that feeling where I let someone make me highly uncomfortable. But then I also think I don't need this. You know, mm. that feeling when you're just like, oh, nah. you yeah. just go, nah. I yeah. don't care if you're kind of mean and say I you suck at your job. I'm like, okay, whatever. That's mm-hmm. fine. But right. if I feel as really... As long as it's not your boss, who cares? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Adam, Adam and Steve tend to have trouble with the Twitter trolls. Yeah. Does no, that affect do. your, your life? No, I, I never respond. <laughs> I think I responded once, but I always, and we'll talk about this at work too, because sometimes people get kind of heated and it's like, look what this guy said. I just want to, and I stop and I say, I get you want to say something back, but what's it really going to do? They want you to respond. (laughs) They want you to, no, but they want you to respond. It'll make you feel good in the moment, but you're not going to change their mind. Do you know what I mean? It's like trying to talk down a Trump supporter. You're not going to change their mind. That's a weirdly specific thing. <laughs> Have you maybe heard us talk about that before? <laughs> you know what? We we both struggle with that. And it's it's Jesse always is the one same attitude. Who cares? Who fucking cares who these like you don't just know them. You don't no. know them. Why does it matter? Why yeah. Steve and I have to from time to time I'll go, look at this fucking whatever. And he'll be like, Adam. 
<laughs> just don't respond. And then I'll see him later on in the night. <laughs> Look at this fucking, you know. And, and it's, it's it's human, right? Yes. And at the end of the day, yes, we shouldn't. But sometimes. I know. God, it's damn. so tempting. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. I, I try. The, the one thing that bugged me before is when there, someone made a comment on my work Facebook page and my brother follows my Facebook page and he saw it and it was inappropriate and it really bugged him. And I was I was pissed. Family's rough. Because I thought you should not have to see this. Right. Because that, right? I can handle it, but I don't want you to see. Family's rough. Yeah. yeah. Oh, So dude. that's where I'll delete inappropriate things because I don't need my friends or family or other people to see that. I had to talk all my uncles down when Kiprios called me a loser on TV. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh, I don't even like him anyway. Fucking no. Yeah, no. I'm like, Was dude. It the Italian dude. Son? Oh, buddy. So there's a lot of bros dropped? Oh, there were a Fucking lot of... bro. They don't say bro. <laughs> they don't say bro. They say some other things, for sure. But, uh, yeah, I had to talk them all down after that. And I hope you that. showed them the show when he came on and talked about it. Because, like, oh, yeah. God bless him, man. The guy's fearless. He came, <laughs> and it was so much fun. See, yeah, But they don't watch good. the podcast, though, because they're in their 50s. So right, they, don't, right. they, don't they don't know, know that. that they don't know that. Yeah. So I gotta... Yeah. And, you know, you don't see him for a few months, so all they have in their mind is... And they're probably telling all their friends at work. And then Kiprios comes on. He tells my nephew that. My nephew. My nephew. My nephew. Um, And Kippery, who is one of the coolest people. Yes. Like, and and that's the great thing is that you, you, when, when you, when I've met the people that I grew up watching, Nick's one of them. uh, When Elliot came on, when, you know, we've got, got the chance, Jeff Merrick, these guys are like, they're all really great people. Yeah. And it seems like. The crew at Sportsnet, and I know we're a little bit biased, you know, we're loosely associated, um, and we work for the same company, and I've met you all, but everybody seems really cool. No, Henry, I agree with that. Uh, yeah, yeah, Ken's kind of, whatever. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Who's, who is that guy anyway? <laughs> What's he writing, a book? No, everyone is. I mean, we say at nighttime, too. We're lucky because we just have a really fun crew. Because mm-hmm. people are all, always say, and I'm sure it's the same with BT, is, oh, it must be hard work until for us 2.30 in the morning, and you're there at night, and... And I said, no, it's actually, it's really fun. You're just watching sports and you're having, I mean, there's no bosses around. Not that that wouldn't also be fun, but you're just kind of hanging out. It's more fun when they're yeah, around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think they know that. <laughs> I prefer it. Yeah, um, I prefer like it. Like D- Doug McLean was, when he would come in, I love Doug. He's hilarious. He's a, he's one of the good ones too. But he would he was coming in and doing like kind of hockey central hits during the playoffs for us. And he says, I can't believe how much fun you guys have in here at nighttime. I said, what do you, what do you expect us to do? Just sit around and be all mopey? Well, because when Mount McLean goes off, like, he's and, very serious sometimes. Oh, right? yeah. Like he. When Mount, Mount McLean. McLean. <laughs> like, when he blows up, it's big. And I would tell him that. Like, he's just, you know, on Hockey Central, sometimes they're like, I'm like, wow, this is, it's a very serious day today. Yeah. Um, but I can imagine that him coming in and stepping in and, like, it's probably a younger crew that works at night. Yes. And he just probably relaxes. It, yeah, it's probably much different than what he's used to. Because we're just telling jokes and laughing and being ridiculous. And when we're watching sports at work, too, like Carly Agro and I, who's my usual co-anchor, she and I have a ton of fun. Raptors playoffs. It was the game. What game was it? Raptors had a really bad game, and then Kyle Lowry hit a three to tie it and sent it to overtime, but they lost anyway. Oh, um, and that was the same night as, I think, a Jays yes. playoff game. Seconds late, second, or within the same minute or something. I remember minute. that now. Oh my God. So, yeah, I don't remember the exact game, but she and I jumped out of our seats. My leg got caught in her chair <laughs> and she like went flying and scratched up the wall like there's a scratch from her <laughs> flying back oh my gosh we're so loud and they're swearing and amazing. oh oh she's the best she's hilarious I've yeah i love carly and yeah we just have a really good time 
I wrote her scripts once upon a time. Did you? Oh, yeah? Just a few times. Did you ever have to say, like, Steve, do better? (laughs) Steve, this is subpar work. And I was like, I know. Yeah. (laughs) One day I'll write a book. Yes. (laughs) Can't even write a script. How are you going to write a book? (laughs) Two will be subpar. No, I'm kidding. Mm. Um, Ouch. But (laughs) that's that's actually a really interesting point you made about Knights that I'd never thought of. It is a younger crew. Yeah. Well, and it's a smaller crew in the grands. I mean, we work... I mean, uh, the BAs who are cutting the scripts and the editors there on the main floor where the studio is, we're up, we're upstairs. So there's not mm-hmm. a ton of, there's one, two, three, four, maybe at our station, like seven of us. Mm. So it's pretty, we're just, it's like, I know it sounds cliche, but it's just kind of like watching with a bunch of friends and you're just watching and reacting and getting snacks at the grocery store that are unhealthy. and I think I might have seen you in that Rava. <laughs> oh, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I live in that building. Oh, really? Which I probably shouldn't say. Yeah, but I live, yeah. Right, yeah, I live right across the street. Everybody knows I live across the street. What floor is that? Uh, no, <laughs> that, I will stop that. But, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, no, it's fun. That's, yeah, okay. Because yeah. I, 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 I wandered in there one night, and I was looking like shit. It's usually like, the sports tech I'm like, group. I'm not even going to. And I'm in full makeup with fake eyelashes, but jeans when I go into Rava at, like, midnight. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite the look. <laughs> um, it's convenient that it's open 24 hours because if you ever need a snack at midnight, if you're yeah. playing video games late, there you go. Which I am doing. If you, you ever need your grocery store the other day, it is my grocery store. It's, it's not a grocery it is, store. I mean, it's what passes. is it? It's, it's a, a grocery convenience st- store. No, it's a grocery store. There's no. a there's a produce section. It doesn't. So does like Max convenience store. No, it's a grocery store. You can go to a gas station. You can't get kale at a gas station. Any Petro, any Supreme (laughs) Petro that has like the fancy gas and there's also like a Supreme section. There's no kale there. It's a grocery store. Kale, it's a grocery store. Yes, but can you get warmed up samosas or those Portuguese custard tarts? Or sushi. Yeah. Or sushi. I hope you can't No, I've never wandered down that path. You know what? My coworkers have. I have. And you're okay? Well, they make it. They're fresh, right? There's a bar. Are I've you convincing yourself? Or? <laughs> Listen, I, uh, there's a lot of There's actually that, a, a tapenaki in the back. <laughs> it's really high class. You'd be surprised. You'd be, if you ever went in there with an open mind, you might know this. But I guess you don't. I guess you don't. So, um, so now that you're... We, we, we kind of stopped at March 2016. You come back to Toronto. And they tell you, hey, you, we've, st- you've, we've still got a spot for you. There obviously mm-hmm. were cutbacks. And I mean, I don't think it's any secret that... The entire industry, not just sports, everybody is is going through an enormous change yes. right now. So you find out there's a spot for you, mm-hmm. and you're and you're coming back home. Are you excited? Yeah, it, that day was quite quite bizarre. It was very, I would still say, more bitter than bittersweet because everyone I worked with in Vancouver was let go, oh. and I was moving back to Toronto in three weeks. So there was just a lot going on, but I was grateful to still have a job. And again, I had a good relationship with everyone I worked with, so. So we kind of had our goodbye party and goodbye dinner. Um, But yeah, I was excited to come back. I was kind of, again, when you're kind of working in Vancouver and you're really separate from everyone for two years, it was, even though I'd worked in Toronto, it was kind of stepping into a different office than I'd left. I get it. So I was kind of nervous for that. And I'd be doing more live TV, which I was really excited about because the morning show out West, we taped it. So I was probably a little bit nervous to go back to live TV, but that was kind of just silly nerves because once you do a show, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was kind of nervous. I didn't know Carly very well, but when I started with Seaball, I didn't know him well. So I kind of thought, okay, hopefully, I'm sure we'll get along, and, but you never know how it'll end up. But I always say too, chemistry-wise, I think it was um, my old boss said it when I moved to Vancouver that it takes about 90 days 
to kind of really build good chemistry. And I really found that with Seaball and Carly because you kind of when you work with someone new, especially at the desk, you kind of you need to. It's like what you guys have, right? You know their tendencies, you know their timing, you know how to set them up. And but yeah, Carly and I got along really well from the get go. I, I find so it was you. nice. Went to a musical like three weeks in, yeah, Which on a one? Wednesday afternoon. Um, Kinky Boots. <laughs> oh, nice. Yeah, because Brennan Dunlop's fiance was in it. Really? Yeah. I didn't know. She, <laughs> I, wow, that's something I didn't know about Brennan. That's amazing. Yeah, Are yeah, it was really now? good. Does they will be Dunlop like soccer? Just a little bit, from what I've heard. <laughs> like casually. Yeah, oh, casually. Yeah, yeah he, casually. He'll, sure. he'll make so many references and shows during packs. I'm like, I have no idea what's yes. going he on. He doesn't even use the North American terminology. Yeah, this is the real penalty. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> going out of the pitch yeah. with your kit. Oh, the like, footy! Yeah, yeah. Oh, it's a footy on. <laughs> and by the way, uh, Villa, who's, who's better dressed, Brendan or Faisal Kamisa? Ooh, that's a good question. Are you trying to start World War Three? I might be. Yeah, I'm going to plead the fifth. Yeah, you're going to plead the fifth. That wasn't smart. That's a veteran oh. move. How dare you, Adam? That is a scary question. I feel like question. With Faisal's wanna... is more flashy. I feel like. Yeah, because he he goes with the bold colors. Oh yeah, but Brendan does the patterns really well. well I find. But yeah, like he's got nice ties too, Brendan. And Brendan will never do that. No. Yeah. Yeah, he's, true. He's, Shoe game's different. Yeah. <laughs> I've actually never really looked at Brendan's shoes. Ken Reed, he wears golf shoes on the desk. Does he? Whether they go with his suit or not. With the spikes. Yeah, they're like these rubber. Well, they're like they're ru- <laughs> no, but they're, they're 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 rubber, so they have very kind of loose. Kind of spikes. Yeah. I don't know how you'd explain the, but yeah, it, they rarely go with his suit. Fr- friggin' screwing up the floor that at Sportsnet. So well, no, it's it's rubber. It's soft. Yeah, they're soft spikes. They're not the. Okay. Intense Listen, ones. don't let Ken off the. Hook. <laughs> <laughs> Never let Ken off the. Hook. Um, yeah, no, it, it's uh, so so. You come back. You're doing this show with Carly, and it, the, you were talking about chemistry. The thing is, you either with people you have chemistry or you don't. Yeah. And even if it takes ninety days to build, if you get it at all. It's mm-hmm. rare. Totally. So I've been very lucky where Seaball, he and I got along super well and the chemistry was really easy. And I find too, the more you spend time with people outside of work too, whether it's just going for beers or just hanging out, the better you are on air too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Carly, it was just really easy from the get-go. That's what's mm-hmm. fun about anchoring too though, because everyone, when you anchor with different people, which especially in the summer happens because of people on vacation yeah. and Ivanka Osmax on mat leave. Mm-hmm. So you just, it's fun because everyone's very different. So you, so just reactions and the type of show are, is very different. Like someone like Ben Ennis, when I work with him, I can barely keep it together because I'm just... He's, he's so funny. He's very funny. Yeah. So there there was a show, like, especially I find Friday shows get kind of silly because it's Friday. But there was a show maybe a month ago, and I burst out. The camera girl, Michelle, was laughing, and the camera kind of jiggled, and I lost it. And I had, <laughs> in the middle of an on cam, I forget what I was talking about. I said, I'm sorry, I'm losing it because camera like so this show is there just, was a fire yeah, this, <laughs> no luckily it wasn't like that so in sports you can kind of get away with it yeah. but i do laugh a lot on air people comment on my giggles on twitter a lot yeah i figure if you're having fun then the viewer will have fun exactly right as long as it's not fake fun no fake fun's fake fun's no fun but one of my favorite bits that i used to do with seaball and i'll still do is fake anchor laugh so you tell a bad joke and then it's oh. that <laughs> Yes. That, yeah. That Damn. was good. You do the teeth too. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's really forgotten. Yeah. Yes. Very important. Yeah. It's an art. Um. I want to get back to something you said because I th- I think it's 
it's something I've never really been able to put into words. The 90-day rule, mm-hmm. I think, is so smart because I, I, I'm encouraged by how many people will send me, you know, their new YouTube channel or their new podcast. And, hey, we're, we're trying this out and, you know, you inspired us to do it and we, we think it's going to be great. And they don't last 90 days. Yeah, you gotta. Like they don't even give it a shot for ninety days. Yeah, I think all good things, everything takes time. So whether it's a new show or a new partnership, you've gotta find your legs. Work it. And I think I think one of the things I learned too, working with Seaball, just because I was nervous moving to Vancouver, was I think early on I tried to force it a bit too much, right? Because you mm. know people, you want to do a good job, but then you try and be funny when you shouldn't, right? Mm-hmm. Just ease into it and be be, be you. yourself, and then the. The partnership and chemistry will kind of find its way, but I mean that takes time and and Experience. mistakes and learning. Well, yeah, you. you um, I found it with radio, especially because I was all alone in a booth. Yeah, that's you, tough. You, well, it's. I mean, it's. It's. I mean, it's no tougher than being on TV, right? It's. It's all in how you learn. Well, but, it's all different. Yeah. yeah, but you learn how to be yourself publicly. Yes. Which most people don't like when you're telling mm. when you're giving a speech in school, it's like, well, I have to be prim and proper and well spoken and <laughs> right. I'm not going to say um and ah uh and like. And uh, what you realize is that the ums and the ahs and the like is what makes you you. Yes. Right? That, that's your, your cadence. You're the way you speak, the mm-hmm. way you emote, the way you use your hands. That's all you. And you have to realize that that's OK to bring that to the forefront. It took me a long time to get there. Yeah, I think especially in your 20s too, right? Because you're still just figuring stuff out from coming out of school and figuring mm-hmm. out where you are in the workplace. Mm-hmm. And and I was always very cognizant of the fact too of knowing my place in the business. Now that's not to say you can't be you, and but you need to respect kind of your elders and everyone else in the business. So when they give you feedback, listen and take most of it, but also listen to what like take it all in and then decide what you want to do from there. Mm-hmm. But I find yeah, now like go, sitting at the sitting on the desk, I'm I don't think I'm any different than I am in person. I mean, my posture is a tiny bit better, but that literally <laughs> that literally happens seconds before I'm on camera. Right. But Oh, is this is this what we're doing? Yeah, oh, yes, for sure. Well, we're going on there. <laughs> People, the directors are always say, Carolyn, can you put your, can you move your chair up a little bit? I said, no, I think it's, oh yeah, no, you're fine. <laughs> just my posture. <laughs> that's, um, that's a weird juggling act, eh? You want to take as much advice as you can because you want to get better, but yeah. it's not all perfect. Not always, no. No, but it's like, I find too, just, I watch a lot of TV. Like I watch, I love watching live TV, even talk shows because I find you can kind of you can see how people react to different things, see their body language. Mm-hmm. It's about observing and learning and knowing what you would do and what you wouldn't do. It's just as important, too. And it's all still a work in progress. Like, if you, again, if you Always. think you're done learning, then you're probably not very good at your job. Mm. You won't be there long. <laughs> um, have you ever had the I don't think you're going to make it moment? And not, not within yourself, because I think everybody has that. Right. Has anybody ever said... I don't think you have it. No, but I did have an instance. Um, so Doug McLean always, and he still firmly believes I'm from the East Coast because he thinks I have a maritime accent. <laughs> I said, no, I'm from Etobicoke. I have an Etobicoke <laughs> accent. So my voice, and this will probably sound silly, but it was very nasally. It still can be, but it was nasally before I moved to Vancouver. And there was an old boss who said basically that it was really bad and it needed to be fixed. Mm. Now, a different boss set me up with a voice coach when I moved to Vancouver. I know this sounds silly, but it actually made a huge difference. It was a dialect coach. So learning how to kind of 
elongate your vowels and it would save your voice too. You wouldn't go, I didn't go as hoarse at the end of shows. So I kind of had to train myself to speak a little bit differently, which Mm -hmm. again, I know it kind of sounds hard to believe and kind of like a farce because how do you change your voice? But, but I actually appreciated that feedback because it, because when I hear things from the first two years to now, it is completely different. As but hearing, be, right? but mm-hmm. I guess hearing someone say your voice is really bad, you kind of think, um, <laughs> what the hell am okay. I supposed to do about that? <laughs> yeah. Anything really else? That. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else? <laughs> one thing that messed me up when uh, when I was an intern is I gave uh, I did you know one of those air check things. I gave it to Doug Fairway, yeah. and one of his pieces of feedback was, "You sound really young." Right. I was, I was twenty. <laughs> I am so. I, was, I, am. I am. I am. Yeah. yeah, but then every air check I sent after that was like right, which is a stupid mistake. voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got to. I looked young, and I'm like, well, yeah. what do you? I, I'm sorry, isn't that? Yeah. What do you? You want me to age faster? I don't really understand. Give yourself one of those like X Men gray streaks, <laughs> yeah. or like I don't. What mm. are you supposed to do? You sound young. But no, I've been lucky. Everyone actually has been quite. I, I haven't had. Everyone's been very supportive. I've never had that moment of you're not going to make it and just give up. That's awesome. Not yet. At least. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I don't think it's coming at this point, but <laughs> knock um, on substitute. <laughs> whatever this particle board yeah. is. Um, so now, okay. Like you're at a place where, you know, most people work their whole lives to be where you're at. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing what you've accomplished. Um, what is it that you want to do? That's a good question. And people ask me that too. I'm sure you guys get asked it. But in this landscape, it's not like we know where the business is going to be or what the jobs are going to be in a decade. So Mm -hmm. I don't really bother worrying about it. I know what I like doing and I like doing a lot of different things. So I still love reporting. I love hosting. I find that the toughest thing to do. I was saying to Jesse too before I went on like Rogers Cup because that's like anchoring on steroids where there's no there's no prompter. There's no scripts. There's no rundown. It's all just. 30 seconds before air, this is what this block's going to look like. And while you're on air, someone you're, you're saying you need to fill or you need to throw to this. So that I find really challenging. So I think, and I like doing too, some radio too, which I've been able to do more of. I just want to be a good broadcaster. So as long as I can do as much stuff and build on that to be good, because I then find that challenge fun, mm-hmm. I'll be happy. So as long as I'm challenged, that's fine. But yeah, I don't know. There's no one job. Right. At least not that I know of right now that I think that's what I want to no. do. Okay. Same way. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of everybody at this point. It's like what – yeah, it's hard, hard to know what to aspire to be. I'll do whatever you yeah. do. We don't, yeah, whatever's there as long as I'm involved. Well, because would you guys have thought that you'd be doing this podcast? Never. You know what I mean? No. No. We have no idea what's – I mean, gonna be. I mean, yeah, when we started out, podcasting barely existed, right? Yeah. I mean, 2006, when we graduated, I think podcasting was created right around then. Yeah. About, so. uh, about a year or two into school, I was like, I think I want to be a uh, writer for a sitcom. That would be In fun, Canada. actually. Yeah, that would, that would be... Ah, Canadian sitcoms. We've mm. got a great history with those. Yeah, you got a Gemini and no job. <laughs> Just your book. <laughs> Oftentimes you win the Gemini after the show's been canceled. Yeah. yeah. Your book, your book can become a sitcom, TV series. Ooh, there, there we go. go. I've written Who one will play episode you? of something ever. <laughs> Who would play me? Hmm. Who would play you? George Clooney's busy, so you can't have... Shoot. You know, I think Ken Reed would be really good at playing you. <laughs> Actually, I think he'd be good. I also think Ben Ennis could could pull it off. Ben, he's I, got a, he's got one of the biggest heads I've ever seen. So yeah, does. maybe. And he's got he's got the hair color down, and he's got he's quick, right? Hmm. 
Like, okay. He I does have a lot of jobs already. He does radio and TV, yeah, so why not do acting as basically well? Basically everything, yeah. Mm. Yeah. He's one of those guys. But Ken would be good. <laughs> I think Ken would be good. Um, so let's talk some... I want to hear some stories. I want to hear some, like, crazy... Along the lines of what Steve was saying, like, crazy, I can't believe this is happening. Now, not where where you were, but just what, like, something that happened. Oh, you were okay. Like, wow. I, have, I have a good one. So it was the Joe Carter Golf Classic um, three years ago. Three or two years. Maybe two years ago. I, I was saying to Jesse, I'm really bad at remembering years. I know it's 2017, but other than that. Two and a half years ago. Sure. So it was in the summer. It was the after party for the Joe Carter Golf Classic. And I was in town from Vancouver. And Seaball and I were just there to grab some interviews to use on our show later on. So really weird crowd at these golf tournaments. And by that, I just mean tons of different kinds of people. So okay. I was interviewing Wayne Gretzky. And I knew Snoop Dogg was there. So as I'm interviewing Wayne Gretzky, I just and you're trying to focus because it's Wayne Gretzky. And this is the first time I'd met him and interviewed him. And so you're trying to focus. But then Snoop Dogg comes out of nowhere and he's standing right behind Wayne. Not as part of the interview, but just in my head, I completely was not paying attention at that point. And I thought, this is so bizarre. It's yeah. Wayne Gretzky and Snoop Dogg just here. <laughs> and then after the interview was done, Gretzky turned around and was talking to Snoop Dogg. I was thinking, what is happening? Wow. That's like a dream you have after you had a bunch <laughs> like, of cheese before yeah. bed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you left the TV on? Yeah. <laughs> like, there's got to be... Oh, wow. Wayne Gretzky and Snoop Dogg. Like, that's something that you accidentally just, say out loud in your sleep. Yeah, that was just very bizarre. <laughs> Even recently with Gretzky, though, after uh, Dennis's, I forget if it was after his win, Dennis Shapovalov's win over, it was either after his win over Rafa or the next round, but I went into kind of the players' lounge after, and it was Janet Gretzky, like, hugging Dennis's mom and Wayne congratulating Dennis, and I was just standing there, and I just thought, like, I feel like I shouldn't, but I was talking to his manager, and I, like, I know Dennis well enough from covering him, but I still thought, I feel like I shouldn't be here right mm. now so i just kind of did the slow like backwards walk and left <laughs> that's pretty crazy though yeah um what's he like dennis yeah i really like dennis yeah. i mean the davis cup he's only 18 years old davis cup earlier this year a lot of people before rogers cup knew him as the kid who hit the ball and it hit the chair umpire's eye yeah. which was awful yeah now he didn't he wasn't you okay there steve okay mm -hmm. <laughs> He wasn't. I love you at had the to, wrong time. I love you had to quantify that, was, which was awful. Because we no, but it is. It is. It's terrible. Yeah. So now, to, I mean, in fairness to Dennis, he didn't, he wasn't aiming for no. the eye socket, but you should not be hitting a ball like that. So he made a huge mistake, which he knew he did. But he's 18 years old and he was, he's learned from it. Hmm. I'm really impressed with him. And I think it's, it's a testament to the team he has around him and his parents, where he, he's a, He's a good kid. I feel silly saying he's a kid, but he he's 18 years he's old. He's a kid. Because even after I saw him in the restaurant after he um, after he beat Rafa, it was the next day, and I said, "Oh, how are you feeling?" And he said, "Oh, hi, Carol." Like he's just very normal. He said, "Oh yeah, I'm really tired, and all these people are texting me." I said, "Oh, that's got to be weird." He's like, "Yeah, even these girls from high school who never talked to me then now they're texting me." I'm like, "I totally get uh, it." Yeah, of course but they then, are. but then it kind of went kind of went quiet just and then he said how are you doing how's your week going and i'm thinking that's nice you know what i mean yeah. like it's just very and i know that's how any human should act but it, considering the moment he said what are you up to after uh, this tournament like are you gonna go, are you back on the desk or will you be and i thought this is nice we're literally in the biggest 24 hours of his life he's he's not 
full of himself where he thinks I'm not even going to ask about other people. So that impresses me. It probably helped him out too. A guy like that under that much pressure hearing about someone else's life, it's probably kind of nice. Like, yeah. you know, what are you nice doing so I don't have to think about this? Yeah. Um, it's sad though. I feel like in our industry, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about before, I think sometimes we assume people will be jerks and then when they're, they're really nice people we're surprised which it should really be the other way where we should expect everyone to be nice and surprised if they're a jerk mm. but do you get asked that question a lot i get it all who's the time. a jerk who's or, a jerk yeah even in my industry that's what i love you're out at a bar and someone's like what's that carly agro really like i'm like uh my friend <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah well i i meant athletes but yeah also co-workers too yeah. what's Kiprios like it's yeah, always exactly. Kiprios, always Kiprios. Yeah. and also what I love too is do they think even if we didn't get along which we do do you think that I'm now just gonna tell you shred, shred yeah. them in front of you yeah. funny you should ask total dick <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah I get asked that about athletes a lot people yeah. see what they're like but it's not like we know many of we know them in a professional basis it's not like we know them yeah there's been Overly a few where personally. I'm like, oh, I caught him on the wrong day. But, like, I don't hold it against them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, and they're, they're pros, too, right? Like, there's there's a wall up there for sure. Yeah. Especially when it comes to, like, the Leafs, who you covered. Yep. And you covered them at the—you uh, covered them on the very quick ride down the hill— uh, that they took it right. It was the yes. There the was circus. the play. There was the playoff year, but that was the lockout year. Right. And so it was all. It was the Randy Carlisle years, and it was the with. I actually always liked Carlisle, and he was always pretty good to me. I mean, Seems most like of he's it. A fun guy. Yeah, and you again. It's knowing how to manage personalities. So with him, and I did. He did not want to be asked about the goalies ever. He did not. That's when it was James Reimer, your favorite, and Jonathan Bernier. And it was 1A and 1B with Bernier as 1A and, well, whoever. And he never wanted to talk about it. But it was our job every, right, before a game to say, who's it going to be? So I would then kind of take it as the challenge to to kind of figure out how can I ask it in a way that's not going to irritate him, but that's kind of funny so that I'll get a good response back. But he knows that I have to, you know what I mean? So that kind of became the challenge, and he'd actually have a lot of fun with that. Because yeah. I'd say things like, would you like to tell me who's starting tonight? He's <laughs> like, do you think I want to tell you who's starting tonight? Right? And then you get a good answer, mm. and you haven't alienated them or annoyed them. If the Flyers get a shot tonight, who would you <laughs> hope would start? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I shouldn't use that one. It's <laughs> yeah, a good one. Who's putting on their helmet tonight? Mm. Yeah. Is what I would, who's putting on their baseball cap and their helmet? Who's eating more carbs right now? Is it? Oh, yeah. hey, that that's know. good. Yeah. Um, you know, the thing was, I found with this, and, I, and maybe I was wrong, but when we were, we were, we started that, our show, just as that playoff series ended, like about a round later, this is when, that was when the first show for this started. Okay. And what a time. Oh, what a time. Oh, my God. It was a time. So much hope. And then David Clarkson and then the Vernier trade. Oh, I covered I Dave covered Bowen. his signing. I remember going into David Clark, the his first scrum after he signed. How was oh, that? there was so Tell much us. hope. I forgot about that. Mm. It was really exciting. And again, for that year, everyone thought this is it. And even I remember there were sandwiches out. It was just even a very nice kind of introduction to him and I thought this feels pretty legit this is kind of exciting and it's fun to be part of those two just mm-hmm. as a journalist and a, or as a broadcaster and a sports fan mm-hmm. uh, but yeah that that uh, didn't end well and well, that happened very quickly yeah, I yeah. seem to remember <laughs> but all the memories mm-hmm. <laughs> remember we weren't going to worry about the last three years of that right. deal uh-huh. um, but I, I found with Randy during that time though by not talking about the goaltenders he made it a story yes 
Well, exactly. He so, of course, understand. we need to ask. Yeah. So he was irritated by the fact that, but he was creating it. Yes. And uh, in, in and around that time, when you were when you were covering that team, and and you know it was the end of the playoffs, they were really like, and they they started out the next year pretty good. They right? did. Yeah, they did. Dave Boland was good too. He was. Oh, yeah. Eight points in 12 games. Wow. Yeah. yeah, 12, 13 games. He was great. Yeah, and then crazy yeah I don't remember how. I can never Edmonton. remember stats like that. I don't oh, know how yeah. I remember Steve. that. That's the, that is the only thing <laughs> I remember. The only thing. After that, I got nothing. <laughs> so when they start to go downhill. Yeah. When a team starts to go downhill. Mm-hmm. But a team, like this city, lives and dies by that, that team. Yeah. What happens? How does that, how does the reporting change for you? And how does the mood change? And is it something you start to have a little anxiety about? Like, what am I in for? Yeah, I don't think anxiety because I also did it with the Jays a few years ago when they had a really good start and then it kind of went downhill. I guess that was four years ago. And again, I find now with with the Leafs or with the Jays quickly, I remember and, and John Gibbons was there and I hadn't cover. I wasn't covering the team a lot. I was kind of filling in. And I hadn't been there for a couple months. And when I'd been there before, they were really good and they were struggling. And so you kind of have, I get along with John Gibbons. So I kind of, I saw him. I said, hey, John, like, what have I missed? He's like, oh boy, you have not <laughs> missed me. You have not missed much. But with him, you can do that. That wasn't on camera either. But I do find, in a, it's just kind of weird how a locker room gets. It just gets so quiet. And you can tell everyone's a little shy to ask certain questions that have to be asked, but you don't want to push any wrong buttons it's just kind of uncomfortable and sometimes unnecessarily so i just find too you just again it's reading the room and reading the the personalities Mm -hmm. but that's where you need to be better about asking good questions Mm -hmm. right in a way that won't alienate because if you alienate the person you're probably not going to get a good answer and that's where too with with print over TV, for instance, it's best if you can speak to them off camera first or at different times. If you're only going to them with a microphone and a camera with a light, that's when people try to kind of tend to tense up. You can get the good stories if you just talk one on one with people off air because then it's, again, kind of like you're not out to get them. I'm not trying to report anything. I just mm-hmm. want to talk and get some mm-hmm. background. I haven't made up a story before asking this question. I want to know. You know, because I yeah. think that's what a lot of them are afraid of is that yes. there's an angle, there's a specific angle mm-hmm. that a reporter wants to tell and they need the quote to fit that. Right, which rather. happens a lot, but you also need to listen to what they're saying and see if there's a better, different story. Right. Because I find too, there's so many obvious stories and then you'll see like, there's so many times where both us and the other guys have the same story, right? Because it's just kind of, that's what's which there. It's like, well, let's yeah. try and find a good story other than the obvious Mm -hmm. right other than a line change or uh and it's harder and sometimes you don't always get it but that's where you could but that's where talking to them off camera you can kind of build up that story over time and then you can use it when you want to so i kind of i miss that from reporting because that was fun is there a story you remember that you're like proud of because it was a little it was unique it was different yeah, I remember there was one when I was covering the Leafs and it was on James Van Riemsdyk and it was on how many goals he had scored that year from within and around the crease. Mm. And it was just very different than any of the stories that week because he was going on a tear and I thought this is just interesting. So I figured out the stats and talked to him and other people about it and just as and talked to the goalies too about how what makes him so good in and around the crease. So stories like that, I know it doesn't sound like much, but I like it because it's just a, it's different creatively. It's not just what you're getting out of the scrum. No, no one else will have that story because that's mm-hmm. what you got. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I think often, like if a player goes on a tear, someone will ask them, you know, what's behind this? Yeah. But you actually went and did research and you went, right. this is what's behind this. Yes. And I'm sure talk they, about that. They would appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. I would think. Absolutely. I think so. Yeah, because you're getting, it's what's different. Why yeah. is this happening? Glad you noticed. And, yeah. yeah. I've been working on, well, and then you know, bang, you got a right. story. Yeah. Ask a player how they're taping their stick. They will love you. Will love, really? It's definitely different this week. Yes. No, it's it's crazy. It's crazy. God, wow. Yeah. Because yeah. they are, they're all, we, I think sometimes we don't give players the credit they deserve and we think they're like kind of lugheads, but ask any NHL player about their stick. With the exception of David Pasternak. That's an abomination. His stick. <laughs> Oh, he just friggin'. He might as well <laughs> put scotch tape. I have no idea how he scores so many goals. But every other player, they're super duper particular. About to be stick. honest, you know, having played hockey, it doesn't matter that much. Yeah, and but look at you. That's like saying playing tennis, it doesn't matter what racket you use. Yeah. Well, for most of us, it probably doesn't. And, but and, No, and, and you know what? Okay. <laughs> Who did probably tell you what it matters? John Carpet Sales, actually. That was our team sponsor. Oh, very Goldenhawks, uh, Malvern Vipers. Yeah, um, but the no, I okay. What I mean is the stick matters. The player holding the stick matters. Mm-hmm. But we're talking about a, a layer of tape mm-hmm. that is a less than a millimeter thick. And now we have a story. See, <laughs> we have how much does it matter? We have yeah. a very minute detail that these players put a ton of stock right. into. And my point is the amount of time they put into that may be disproportionate to the amount, the effect that it has on their game. If they're good at handling the puck, they're good at handling the puck. I agree. We Let's have a tell story. Sean McKenzie. He can do this story. First day of, <laughs> for, first day of training camp. It would be first day of, of the rookie showcase. Just talk about this. I like it. I like it, too. I like it a lot. He I do, doesn't I, know it yet, but he's doing the story. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll just message him right now. Dear Sean. Assignment desk. <laughs> talking about questions, though, that's why I, I wanted to get into broadcasting, too, because I always... It's like talking to anyone. I figure everyone has kind of their soft spots. Like, because you know if someone talked to you about blank, you'd open up, right? So mm-hmm. now, in a Leafs locker room or, I mean, a... a daily story you're not going to get those types of stories but features that's what i kind of find fun is if you can find those things that make people tick and then get the story out of that because then they become a person as opposed to just an athlete right so what's been your favorite that you've done actually if i i think back to university and i think it was maybe one of my favorite interviews it was with his name's jerry boss i'd say at the time he was probably in his 70s this was 2010 Vancouver Olympics. He lived in a small, small, modest house in London, Ontario, and he was Christine Nesbitt's longtime coach, the speed skater. So I went to his house to do an interview and he and his wife were there and it was just like a shrine to Nesbitt. Like he had all he had binders of newspaper clippings of all her races, everything he had. He collected hats from all the Olympics. He gave me an extra one from Calgary that he had that I still have. Wow. And it, and I wow. and I was there with him when we were when we were watching one of her races, and it was just so cool because he just loved it so much, and he wasn't in it, of course, like the fame and attention. He just loved it, and that was just neat because it's when you're in someone's house too, you're really they're just very open and honest. So that was really cool. I also got to interview at Rogers Cup Marion Bartoli after she won Wimbledon. So I think that was twenty. That was summer of 2013, and it was her first tournament back, and that was the only slam she won. She just kind of went on this ridiculous run, and our sit-down interview turned into talking about her paintings and how she 
has, was painting more after Wimbledon because she kind of got this new fan creativity. So things like that I just find interesting because it's not what you'd think you would talk about with someone, right? Not at all. Like I went no. into the interview trying to get what went well at Wimbledon, all these kind of clips to use during the tournament, during matches, and I just left with kind of these awesome stories, which were so much more interesting than what was happening on the tennis court. Did she retire? Yes. I think I remember. Yeah, yeah shortly after. She won, and then it was like, I guess, kind of the opposite of like uh, all the Bouchard attention. It was like she won and nothing. Yeah. Like no one gave a yeah, no one gave a and she Why was always she? just a very interesting character, and I mean that in the nicest way possible. Where she was just very, uh, how do I put this? She didn't really just fit into the mold she thought she should be in. She was just very much herself, and mm-hmm. and would just share different stories. And she loved tennis, and she didn't ever think she'd get to that high a point, and then she did, and and she dealt with the attention pretty well too. But then, yeah, then that was kind of why did she before. retire? I don't remember actually. I think for her that was just kind of it. She'd reached the, reached the mountaintop. Went out on top. Yeah. Yeah, there's something to be said Why for not? that. I think yeah. I don't know. It was a few years ago. I seem to remember there being something like, "What? None of you care? What? The, okay, fine. Yeah. I retire. I've been able to interview Serena Williams a, a bunch of times too over the years, and that I found really interesting too. Because with her, the interviews got better as the years went on too. Because she started to get to know me and trust me. Because I I'd spoken to her agent a number of times and. It's again, it all comes down to trust where if she if people know that you're there, you know what you're talking about, you're there for the good reasons and you're actually interested, Mm -hmm. then it's just better because people like that, they're interviewed by tons of different people all around the world. Who was the tennis player that uh, and I, 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 I wish I remembered this, but this clip is hysterical where the reporter asked how he felt about the win today and the guy had actually lost. No, I think it might have been Nicholas Mahu. <laughs> yeah. Mahu. And he's like, do, do, were you watching the yeah. game? Like, I can't believe it's stuff so, like that happens. Oh, I know. Haven't you found that, though, if you go... It doesn't really happen as much in, tr- in I mean, in Toronto sports, just because... People are pretty intense here. Yeah. But it's it's dumbfounding to hear some of the random questions that get asked. No, I... Uh, have you, have there, you? Was one, there was one... Um, <laughs> It was at the Hall of Fame game recently, uh, or I guess it would have been close to a year ago now, actually. But. So I go up to Messier and I say, I have this podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it wasn't you know me. that story? No. no. Oh, my uh, God. <laughs> should we tell that one? <laughs> I think we need to let Carol, Carolyn in on that. Okay, fine. I think I, oh. I think I see where this is going. Okay, basically, you go Mess, ahead. Mess, Mess is a tough interview. Yes. And so Steve goes up to him. I guess he was getting his face on a stamp at the <laughs> Hall of Fame. As one would. Yes, of course. As mm. as one from the 80s Oilers <laughs> would. And uh, Steve's like, so I have this podcast. And Nick Kiprios told this story about when you were in New York. And blah, 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 blah. And Nick did tell this amazing story about this amazing club that they used to go to. Oh, I heard that story. Yeah. 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 So that was one of the best stories we've ever yes. heard on the show. Yeah, it was a really good one. And Mess was... What did he, what answer did he give? It was like uh, I don't remember. We I'm like, well, he told me. He's like, ah, well, I'm a lot of sure he told you, but I, I don't remember. A lot of stuff happened in the '90s, and he was really like cold shouldered. Right? He's thinking who? He also responded to my question of, could I get a word with you? With who were you with? Oh. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was not into it. Yeah. So anyway, we, we've agreed from now on that if we're ever doing an interview outside of the show, we don't start it with, so I have this podcast. <laughs> instantly, you're out. No one right? cares. 
No one cares. Anyway, <laughs> so the story, he dangles I was a sportsman. But yeah. you also <laughs> wanted him to hold a cookie above his head. That was years ago. <laughs> that was years ago. Uh, it was a Stanley Cup cookie at a Rogers event, and I thought it'd be a really funny picture if he like held it. If above a grown ass man, man, you're daring. So that's the first time you ever spoke to him. Yeah, and he just went no. <laughs> And I was like, Steve. cool. Mark Messier will not be my friend. <laughs> if it, it was a Lay's down. chip, though, he would have held it over his head. Oh, yeah. I mean, he got paid lots of money for that. Mm. So I'm, I'm sure he would have. I'm sure he absolutely would have. maybe the Rogers disc, like the logo that we have. Yeah. he works for us, too. Oh, that'd be, that'd be good. Center? That'd be good. I'm sure if I slipped him a check, he'd do whatever I was. <laughs> oh, I'm, sure. I'm sure. Steve might be a little bitter about it. Might be. No, I'm not picking up on that. Yeah. <laughs> The story I was going to say, Adam, was it was at the Hall of Fame game last year, and uh, there's like a huge scrum around Eric Lindros, mm-hmm. and someone just goes, who who won the game? Like, I know it's not a high-stakes game. It literally does not matter who won. How don't you know who won? You should know that. You should know who won the game. And if you don't, you don't ask. Don't ask. Mm-hmm. Don't ask who won. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It, Pretend it, like, it yes, mm, exactly. Matter, so don't ask the question. <laughs> if it doesn't matter and you don't know, then like... I yeah, mean, if, that's if uncomfortable. If you're at a Leafs game, you should know. If you're at a tennis match, you should know. Yes. Right? Um, but I mean, I feel like at that point, it's like, it's how is it, what's it like to be out on the ice again with well, all these legends? Doesn't like, that happen more during the playoffs and the big games when the other media comes in, like the local news, and they're not really following the teams all year and they ask the other questions because they don't really know about sports? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. And they come too with different stories, right? Because it's a dip. So, like, what's this mean to the fans? And then if you're there and you're asking about line combinations, you're kind of like, I don't care about this question. Right. But you got to fit everyone in. Yeah. <laughs> it's the safe answer. Messier is the best. <laughs> Hold a cookie best. over your head. The cookie's better than the, hey, I have a podcast. You think that's better? I think so. Wow. They're both pretty dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot to learn. I am really surprised that you asked a hum- an adult human being, especially one that used to like club people's head- faces in with his fists. <laughs> That you like, a lot of people would have done it. If you ever, a sta- lot of people would have done it. If you've ever stood next to Messier, and I, I don't, I, I'm not saying this to you, mm. Caroline, because I know you have. Um, but like anybody, if you ever meet him, he's a gigantic <laughs> man. Mm. He's a big person. Made taller with a cookie over his head. Mm. Correct. Very true. It's got um, stilts made of money. That's, that's, that's an illusion. It's just got like those Mayweather like money phone. Oh, he walks no. around. He's got like platform shoes. Um, yes. So has has being in, at Sportsnet beat the fan out of you, or are you still partial? No, to any I'm team? I'm still a fan. But I think I I'm partial. I grew up a Toronto sports fan, so I do. I do root for Toronto sports teams, but I find I'm I am a fan of any Canadian team, and especially working the the night shift. I'm just a fan of good hockey and Flames fan, uh, Flames games, Oilers fans the past year, and I'm really nobody's really talking as much about the Flames headed into this year, but they had a huge. I'm really excited to watch. I watched almost every Oilers game last year and Flames game and Canucks game as well. Mm-hmm. So that's what's kind of nice working late. I get to watch. So I'm just a fan of, I just want good stories and good sports, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So, well, that, however that happens. That like, Oilers-Flames uh, rivalry this year is oh, going to be gonna amazing. Be good. Yeah. It's going to be really good. Yeah. The Flames, to me, are the biggest 
swing team, maybe in the NHL. Yeah. Like in terms of how good or bad they could do. Well, and their defense too. I mean, you could argue that that's Among one of, best. if not the best. Now. It's unbelievable. On paper, of course. Well, Mike Smith, yeah. I'm not totally sold yeah. on, but like he might not even have to be that good. <laughs> well, like, is it, is it, a, and that's because when Kipper was on last year around this time, he said the Leafs will go as far as Freddie Anderson takes them. Nailed it. Is that the same with the Flames? Are they as no, good as they, Mike Smith? No, because well, the Flames have better D than the Leafs do mm-hmm. on paper. Yes. That's very true. Yeah. So they have two pairings that are better than the Leafs' top. Yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. But okay. but yeah, I just want I just want good sports and good teams. Like living in Vancouver, even I just loved even good broadcasting, which I know kind of sounds silly, but I mean Vin Scully, he's since oh. retired. But that was the best living out west. And and even last summer here, where there's nothing really going on and you're waiting to go on at 1 a.m. Eastern and you're just listening listening to the sweet tones of Vin Scully. His stories are amazing. They're just incredible. We and ran- at that age that he was doing that, it's it's nuts. We ran one on the show. Bob Cole. Where yeah. He, yeah, Bob Cole, another guy. 90. Yeah. Yeah, amazing. There was the Vin, the Vin Scully clip about him talking. One of the pitchers, like, saved a deer. Yes, and I remember that. that yeah, and show. he times it perfectly too. It's blah blah blah. Oh, ball just inside, and then he just <laughs> continues on. It's amazing. It's yeah, it's incredible. So I miss that at nighttime, but it's in the summer. Who do who do you who's your Wayne Gretzky in, in broadcasting? Who are the people that are like I look up to, want to be like, take everything from? Yeah, that's a good question. One of them actually, and so James Duthie, I met um, when I was actually a ball kid at the Rogers Cup because he was at the Rogers Cup, and this is when I was volunteering in charge of the ball kids. I was, I had retired because you're, you're, for, you're forced into retirement. Yeah, Danielle Michaud from City uh, City TV. Who we love. Yes, she was a ball girl and also volunteered in charge what of the year ball kids. Were you? What was your last year as a ball? Kid? Vol- volunteering in in um actually i volunteered for the ball kids when i was here so 2012 was my last year volunteering for the ball kids and then the next year i was You're broadcasting like <laughs> and, then, five then, years and then and then the next five. but i wasn't on court <laughs> i was just volunteering oh, in charge yeah, of them yeah no big deal <laughs> no, no and then the next year i was doing courtside so that was kind of strange but uh anyway what was i saying oh yeah so he was there uh like chair umpiring a celebrity match so i talked to him then and i actually spoke so he and was i was at the cornicova match where yes, he's singing to where her? he's just obsessed with her yes. and talking yeah so so he and I said I'm in like broadcasting school and blah 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 and he and I would send him some of my stuff in uh, during school and he'd take a look at it and let me know what he thought and he actually had me I let him know about my sports net audition and he had me call him the night before and he gave me some advice wow yeah so That's he's a so really cool. good yeah and people like Mar- so he's one of them Martin Geyer too because I watched her for years mm-hmm. and I actually met her at a sports broadcasting day at Ryerson when I was in school I met she and Kathy Barnes who used to be a producer and still works for Sportsnet and they brought me into Sportsnet while I was in school to do a tour and I, I sat in and watched she and Brad do a sport like prep for Sportsnet connected I guess it was at the time and then when I got hired too she remembered me from when she did the tour she's just a stand-up person so people like that are kind of my my canadian go-to's and then i just think to anyone who can do a lot of jobs so duthie's the type of guy who can do a lot of jobs same with chris mckendry we see in the states or hannah storm Mm. if you can do because it's tough to do different jobs and a lot of people in broadcasting kind of only do anchoring or only do reporting which is good and they master that but to be able to do a lot of different things that's that impresses me amazing wow 
Any more questions, my friend? No, I was just I was going to go through my phone to he's quickly been, look up who was the TSM guy whose name we couldn't Rod think Black. Of. Rod Black. Oh yeah, no, it wasn't Rod Black. It was Rod yeah. something else. No, it was Rod Black. Rod, he's Rod, very tall. Are you sure? The guy with the booming voice who looks like he could be Rod a bear. Rod Smith. Rod Smith. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, okay. Looks no. like he could be a bear. <laughs> the guy that does all the, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sounds like he could it's be awesome. the voice of a cartoon bear. Oh yeah. Um. No. <laughs> yeah. Growing up, like. You might not have a grasp of this yet because you haven't been doing it for like decades and decades. But mm-hmm. like, there one day there's going to be someone who sees you and they're going to be like, "I've watched you my entire life." Yeah, that and must Rod be bizarre. Rod Smith was was a guy like that for me yeah. when I was at NHL Network. I remember just seeing him and being like, "I've watched you for like 25 years. Like, mm-hmm. do you understand that?" Yeah. Well, and you get starstruck too. Again, that goes back like to come full circle from the start. That goes back to Catherine Humphreys, yep. where to me she was the best, and I was just kind of. I mean, I would talk to her at least practices and that, but I was kind of too embarrassed to say. I don't know if you remember I this, but love I you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, I should have. I should have just said. <laughs> But just not in that creepy of a way. You, you did know? this bit in 1997, <laughs> and yeah, oh my god. So yeah. I I met I met my radio guy at the Grammys. Really? I was on one side of the carpet. He was on the other. Who, end. who like, is he, it? Elvis Duran. Is okay. His name. And he uh, he does a radio show out of New York, uh, and it was called like the Z Morning Zoo, and now it's just Elvis Duran in the morning show, and it's on like. You know, it's, it broadcasts like 10 million people every day because yeah. it's syndicated. And so I'm reporting and we're like, <laughs> there's 59 positions on this carpet for the Clive Davis party. And the red carpet is an L shape. And it's it. So a lot of the artists, by the time they get to you, you're scrumming rather than doing one on one. So like I would I remember I just like scrum for Stevie Wonder wow. and like Lionel Richie and stuff like that. And you're you're trying to get a question in. And the American outlets are far more aggressive than we are. They're, yeah. they're they, Oh, my God. They do That's not in sports, too. Oh, yeah, I yeah. bet. Yeah, it's just I mean, it's just the nature of the beast, right? More competition. So <laughs> here he comes walking on the carpet and in radio, like like there isn't the um there, if you're a musician or an athlete, you have like fans. You have like a fan support group. In radio, you do, but it's not. It's not the same. Right? And it's not as recognizable physically, I guess. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If you're on the radio, so yeah. I I see Elvis Duran and he's walking down the carpet, and I was like, Stevie Wonder, get out of the yeah. way. <laughs> <laughs> That's Elvis Duran, and I said, I said Elvis, and he's like, and he's like. I feel like I know you. I'm like, you don't. And he's like, <laughs> he's like, okay, well, it's nice to meet you. <laughs> that was the entire conversation. You don't. Kept on, you don't, but it's great. To, yeah. Anyway, so, yeah, that was, my, that was my moment. So at least you didn't have that embarrassing. I feel so Well, like, you know what? Right so I met Roger Federer two weeks ago or three weeks ago now for the first time ever. And Arash Madani makes a ton of fun of me because I just... Love Roger Federney's the best, and I make fun of my bias on Sportsnet Central too. I'll introduce, I'll say, "Oh, the world's greatest human." I, or sorry, the world's greatest tennis player, Roger Federer, will be. <laughs> and so Arash was about to do a sit down with him, and I, I just never met him before. So I said to Arash, "I'm, is it okay if I just hang out?" I'm just going to stand here, you know, just to listen for the broadcast. And he's like, yeah, Carolyn, just don't embarrass yourself. I'm like, no, Rash, please. And so he comes in and Ro- Roger's just so nice to everyone. And if he, he shakes your hand and he says, nice to see you, which is a veteran move so that if he's actually met you, you'll be totally. under the false impression yes. that, oh my gosh. And I said, oh yeah, nice to meet you. I'm Carolyn Bob. And that was it. And then I was feeling pretty good. I, I was not awkward. That was Good, good for me. Pat on the back. And then he's doing the sit down interview with Arash. And he's wearing these gold Nikes that were just really flashy. And I thought, oh, I know what I'm going to say after this interview. So Arash finishes. And then I just say, by the way, really cool shoes. 
<laughs> and I said it just basically like, cool shoes. <laughs> but I, and, and I thought that people would chime in and it was just silent and, oh. and Fetter just said, yeah, thanks. And then it was just very quiet. Well, he kind of left you flapping in the wind. <laughs> yeah, I'm sponsored by Nike. I'm yeah. Roger Federer. Yeah, like- but I didn't think, I still don't think it was awkward. So then as he left, Arash is just like, you're an idiot. That was just so, and he still is, tweets me sometimes and just says, cool shoes. Or the end of an email yesterday, it said, cool shoes. I wasn't that bad, but apparently. Hey, hold this cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Um, a, a rash is it would have been a great those. social media post. <laughs> a rash is also a, a great guy. Oh yeah, he is. Holy smokes! And he's almost he he is such a good guy in things that you don't even see, and he doesn't want people to see. Like there's just story. He's just very good to everybody, and he's just yeah, he's That's a awesome. stand up guy. But I don't like him to hear that because then it's just no, no. We can't let that get to no. him. He, yeah. I don't think he'd have time to listen to the show anyway, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, Thanks for the compliment. Nice shoes. <laughs> I know. We were trying We were trying to play uh, plan to play tennis, me, Rash, and Sharon Fitchman, who did uh, analysis work for us for Rogers Cup. And I'm like, how about this Wednesday? I'm at Fenway. How about that? I'll be in Edmonton. I'm like, okay, you just let me know, mm-hmm. and we'll you see. Couldn't just say, <laughs> I'll be available. Couldn't just say Boston. I'm at Fenway. Yeah. <laughs> I'm at uh, Fenway Park. It's where the Red Sox You know play. what? Legendary. I would say that, too. Oh, oh, for sure. Like, you've earned that right to say mm-hmm. I'm at Fenway. The park, the place to be. Sorry, Yankees fans. Yeah, Fenway is the place. Oh, it is. It's um, awesome. Whoa. Yeah, I just said it. Um, Carolyn, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, guys. Making time, honestly. That was fun. I was saying, I I have your podcast. I watch on YouTube and listen on YouTube at work when I'm done writing my scripts. Well, we're sorry. Just saying. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> no, I say done writing my scripts, so I seem like a hard, good worker. You are. Uh, yeah, you have to be. Right. Have to be to be in the, yes, that position. Exactly. Just one more thing before you go uh, for a social post. Can you? <laughs> oh, I gotta go. <laughs> um, so you can find Carolyn uh, Sportsnet Central. What else are you gonna be doing outside of anchoring coming up? Are you doing anything? I don't think so. I'm doing a podcast with Greg Brady. Yeah. Uh, Point Taken. So that's on Sportsnet's website. And then other than that, I don't think I'm doing anything other than they're, anchoring they're, they're coming up. You out to anything? Or? No, nothing scheduled. Okay. I guess poss- I'm going to the U.S. Open as a fan this weekend, but I guess I could possibly go if Dennis goes far. He okay. plays Song on Wednesday, so yeah, one last night. Yeah, um, and you can follow her on Twitter at sn caroline. Yes, exactly. Even it's pronounced Caroline. Full circle. There you go. Amazing. <laughs> and I'm talking about you as if you're not here, but I'm just, you know. You know I get it. so cheesy. <laughs> so everybody knows. Forever. Yeah. Keep it. Should Keep we wink into the camera? Right. I didn't I no way. Anchor laugh, yeah. everyone. Yes, oh. Joe. Oh. 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 See you Thursday. Follow the guys on Twitter at Steve underscore Dangle, at Adam W-Y-L-D-E, and at Jesse Blake. The Steve Dangle Podcast. Brought to you by Panago Pizza. Order at panago.com and stuff your face with deliciousness.